All right, welcome everybody. Hope you're doing well. Thank you for uh, joining us here. Another Friday is upon us. It is uh, whatever we, February seventeenth, twenty twenty-three. Uh, oh my, does time fly by? Hopefully, it's uh, <coughs> heading into spring wherever you are. Anyway, thank you for joining us here. Uh, we have a great guest host with us lined up today. Alana couldn't join us, but uh, Dan Lyman joins us, who is, of course running kind of the uh, Europe uh, focus over at uh, Infowars and also Border Hawks. Dan, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? Oh, it's always good to be with you, Henrik. Thank you very much for having me, and I'm doing very well. Awesome. Good to see you again. I uh, hope everything is good. Do you have any, how's things going generally over at Infowars, by the way? With, I mean, we have, we've covered all the lawsuit stuff, obviously, and it's just such a, <laughs> I mean, it's just an insane thing. Do you have any inside baseball? How, how's it going overall? Like, I think uh, Alex's next step is just to uh, appeal, I assume, right? And this could actually prolong it for a few years. Looks like things could go on for a while, although I don't want to give away too much uh, publicly with all the legal proceedings. <laughs> Got but it. I will say uh, morale is high and we are hanging in there and uh, we just take things one day at a time yeah. and uh, keep fighting these uh, globalist jerks on a daily basis. I know that's true. That is right. All right. Awesome. Good stuff. So, guys, if you want to join in today. Uh, good options here. Super chats, enterprisestream.live slash Red Ice TV. We'll keep an eye on that. Also, Odyssey and Rumble is open, and I'll uh, try as best as I can to throw an eye on them throughout the stream here as well. Well, I mean, tons of stuff going on as usual. And Dan, I kind of wanted to start a little bit on things in Ohio, to be honest, because it's just been such a uh, hot uh, topic here. And of course, the cover up, what seems to be a huge cover up in the wake of this as well. Check out some of this latest uh, footage here. EPA have been saying that it's 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 totally fine. There's, there's no concern here. I have a clip of that. We'll play there in a moment. But uh, here's a young girl, I think it is, or a girl throwing I don't know, something in the uh, in one of the waterways here. Check this out. Wow. Look at all that. Look at it. It's all in the bottom of the creek bed. Oh man, look at that. Holy smokes. So it means all, all of it is probably down in the bottom and then when you throw something, when you disturb the water, it just ripples up to the surface. Ah, oh, jeez. Man, it feels like the deep uh, water horizon spill all over again, doesn't it? <laughs> no, for sure. And it's just the... It, this is one of the most tragic and frustrating stories I've seen in some time. Right, right. Yeah, because they're protect. I mean, we'll get into it here, but like you know, EPA, they're they're uh, just saying that everything is fine. You have uh, even well, this might be a, I guess, a blessing in a way. I guess that FEMA is not. I, I can't decide. <laughs> but the point is, like, federal help is not there. And by the way, I think it has a lot to do with you know the voter base in this area and and some other groups, of course. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But yeah, here's the here's that clip here. Uh, local news report regarding EPA. Check this out. Uh, there are in the community 20 monitors strategically located throughout the community to continue to monitor outdoor air. I think we got a, we have a map somewhere, I hope. There's a map there. This is a map from the U.S. EPA that shows all the places where they've taken outdoor air samples over the past two weeks. Uh, again, the experts tell me that these monitors are coming back clean, uh, clean for contaminants of concern associated with the train derailment. 
so this this monitoring uh, started very early on. Uh, this monitoring will continue. We will continue to do this. So we have 20 monitors. These monitors are moved around, and they will continue to be moved around the community. Let me now talk about uh, water, residential well sampling. As we talked about earlier this week, uh, the testing results from East Palestine's municipal water source have come back, uh, and the results are that that drinking water, uh, testing those five wells that go into the community system, uh, those five wells have all come back clean. The water is safe to drink. <laughs> it's safe to drink. Well, that's, that settles it, Dan, doesn't it? <laughs> What's ironic is the water probably wasn't safe to drink before all this, and now uh, right, exactly, on, it's even worse. But, <laughs> uh, I mean, these people are such creeps. I, I can't stand looking at this guy. Um, my level of contempt for these people, their arrogance, and also their incompetence at the same time has never been higher. Every day it goes higher. And these are the same people that told us the injections were safe and effective. That's and right. Make sure that you go out and get a couple of those. So go ahead and go drink that drinking water. They're telling you the same thing. I would say if the EPA assures you it's safe, it's probably not. <laughs> but the gas, you, you gas stove though, right? Am I right? <laughs> you're, no, you're, exactly. gassed, you're gonna get and asthma, this, man. <laughs> this has spawned so many boomer memes yeah. that are just like, they, they, you kind of wince when you see them because they're so cringe. But at the same time, you know, we really are looking at this really stark like example of how horrible and incompetent the government is. And the boomer memes, they, they kind of hit the nail on the head a lot of the time. Like, I think it was Cat Turd posted on, on Twitter, uh, you know, that the residents of East Palestine are being treated worse than the illegal aliens. And that's like, yeah. you know, it's it's lame content, but at the same time, so true. Well, it is. I mean, the only I think for the most part, the boomer memes are like they get they out they get outdated very quickly. You know what I mean? And by the time it's like in that circulation of that environment, you're like, OK, good. It caught on on to the next thing. <laughs> you know I mean? but, it, but they're usually not wrong, to be honest, they're actually on point for the most part. But uh, anyway, so, so, yeah, so someone had this. Someone said your mic was low. So hopefully this is better, guys. I turned you up a little bit there, too. But uh, yeah, chemical warfare against the Amish from uh, Aeon Animus here said <clears throat> in this thread, we'll examine why the East Palestine, Ohio chemical accident may have been a coordinated attack from state actors to harm the agricultural community known as the Amish by poisoning the rainwater and arable land in the area. And, you know, when I first saw this stand, I was like, it just, you know, we have all these like three, four at the same time. And there's a couple of new now, so we'll, we'll touch on in a moment in Florida. But it felt like it was the same vein as all these attacks on, uh, you know, farm industries or like a random was like a potato, uh, um, you know, uh, food production plant that just like a, a small Cessna hit like the, the perfectly caught a fire. You know what I mean? It was like one after the other attacks on the on the poultry industry, on the pork, on on uh, farms and stuff like that. And this could actually be an interesting connection that it might actually in, in one way is an extension to that. What, what's your hunch when you see something like this? Well, you know, and going back to the boomer memes, this one's kind of borderline. I think I hypocrite posted this today, but it's so it hit right on the head. It was, uh, you know, just some, you know, standard, you know, white family in a photo. And it says, I'm going to go live out in the woods or live on a farm to get away from the, the madness and uh, survive the Great Reset, basically. And then it cuts to, you know, the mushroom cloud from uh, Palestine and, and Joe Biden eating an ice cream cone. And he <laughs> says, yeah, that's what you think, Jack. 
And you know what? Uh, like, uh, you know, again, hits it on the head. Like you, you think you're going to get away from the nonsense by getting away from the cities and going and, you know, uh, trying to have a little farm, have a little garden, something like that. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, a train derails nearby and they detonate, you know, a massive amount of chemicals and destroy the water and destroy the soil. So it's like, uh, yeah, maybe this is a war on people living out there. Not necessarily like totally intentional, like they derailed a train to pull this all off. Right. But yeah. when things go wrong, they have no problem with that, I think. And that's we're seeing their indifference. And it kind of signals that maybe they're okay with all this. And why not make it a little worse and blow it up in the process? Never let a good crisis go to waste. That's what it is. You know what I mean? And so, yes, exactly. I agree with you. It doesn't mean necessarily that this is all planned or whatever, but when it does happen, yes, let's ensure that, uh, you know, we have maximum pain in the wake of this. It feels like they will go to any lengths to drive us into the pond, uh, pod, you know what I mean? And and, and <laughs> whether that's to get you into like a 15-minute city somewhere or, or literally THX style, like underground, because, you know, the the earth is, is uh, you know, uh, too toxic now or global warming is going to kill us all whatever it is they don't want us to live out on the out on the land being independent as you say being uh, uh you know taking care of ourselves and things like that and i think they'll go to any lengths in their war against us yeah no no question and you know just go back to 1990-91 agenda uh, 21 when that was signed in rio and um you look at that biodiversity map and you know the mapping for how they would like the united states to be yeah. you know the settlements and the, and the living zones to be structured and then all of these rural zones where no one's supposed to live or even be allowed to enter and so you ask yourself okay if that's the plan how do they plan on flushing everyone out of these rural zones and you kind of wonder like is this a, a death by a thousand cut situation where a lot of these people let's say you know right here in ohio in this town uh and, and the surrounding area you know probably a lot of them have been affected by the fentanyl crisis oh yeah um, yeah you know all, all sorts of things so death by a thousand cuts and pushing all these people uh, out of the rural areas into the cities or just killing them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so the the thread goes on. It's a great thread. We don't have time to go through all of them. But yeah, Amish community in Lancaster County reaches herd immunity from COVID-19 medical center sets, right? Amish put faith in God's will and herd immunity over vaccines. Uh, a couple of these, like... If you can't get to them this way, you gotta get you gotta get to them somewhere in some kind of other way, right? Wasn't there something too, by the way, with the Amish that like demographically they were doing like tremendously well, and if they keep this up, they'll be like one of the dominant uh, groups essentially in America. I forget what the what the timeline on this was, but if current trends, as I say, continue and and it continues at this trajectory, uh, they'll be very uh, plentiful. Let me put it that way. <laughs> yeah, if they can hang in there and keep their policies in place and not be nuked out of their communities by the federal government, then I think probably by 2,500 or so, they might be able to uh, to take over the country. But of course, that, that's going <laughs> to hinge on, on uh, you know, how many illegals come into the country in the meantime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have that weaved into it. All right, let me cut, do a couple of these uh, super chats real quick here. We have <clears throat> Dog Whistler over on Entropy. He says, uh, missed last week's uh, show live, but enjoyed the replay. Thank you. Uh, glad to support you today. You all Always, uh, and always love when you uh, have guest hosts. Welcome. Thank you so much, Dog Whistler. A couple more from Dog Whistler, too. Uh, the governor of Ohio, Mike, governor rather of Ohio, Mike DeWine, has been a senator, a congressman, attorney general, uh, and a, what is that, IT, IT general? I'm not sure if that's true, etc. Anyway, I grew up on Ohio, uh, in Ohio as a kid, and uh, he was a politician. He is the textbook definition of a lifelong government politician. He is, he is the deep state. Also, the Amish 
egg market is massive in this part of the state and it helps to keep the price of eggs down. See, there's another item I heard. Some uh, women said that their chickens were dying. You know, like just out in, I forget how far exactly this was from this from the fire, um, but like five to fifteen miles away, there was like toxic clouds and shit like this. I mean, it's 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 bad. And the Ohio River Basin is like ten percent of the country lives along this. About uh, thirty million people. And again, I mean, I think this was like mag. This was Trump country, was it not, Dan? As far as you know. If I'm not mistaken, I think that the data is, you know, 70 to 75 percent went Trump uh, in the last election. So, yeah. yeah, basically Trump country. And, you know, the lady that that you played the video where she throws the the projectile into the water and then everything comes up. She was actually on Tucker last night talking about the whole thing. And, you know, she was telling her tale and how difficult it is to cope with this. Just these really minor inconveniences. But they're like so base level where if you don't if you don't have clean drinking water or the water is contaminated to the extent that it is here. You're not comfortable showering in that. You can't brush no. your teeth in that. You know, uh, I'll tie this in. I, w- I live in Florida right now. I'm temporarily living here. And, um, you know, I was in uh, Europe until last year. But, uh, you know, we got hit really hard here on the West Coast by the hurricane. So we were under a boil water notice for two weeks. Even, you know, with a car, with access to Walmart, like all this stuff where you can go buy water. Obviously, everyone's fighting for it. But, life becomes so inconvenient when the the running water isn't safe to use. Now, this woman told her story. She said she's a single mother, uh, unemployed at the moment, and her kids are five and nine years old. And she has to walk to a store to buy bottled water and bring the kids in tow and all that. I mean, how many people have that story right now where they really depend on just at least the basic, th- basic things functioning properly and basic infrastructure. And when that's taken away from you, your life becomes uh, exponentially more difficult. And, you know, I feel so much empathy for these people. And it sounds like they're not getting any assistance at all. When you see all of these, all of these resources being directed by the federal government down to the border, for example, when we had a baby food shortage in the United States, we found out that there were just pallets and pallets of it at the border for illegals. If, if a bunch of illegals, if, a, you know, a few thousand illegals were in a camp and they were complaining that they didn't have running or sufficient water, you know that pallets and pallets of water would be br- brought in on trucks to ensure that they could drink it for free, of course, uh, on our dime. Uh, and that's yeah. not the case for these people in this town. And that's just, you know, one aspect of so many. Hard, hardly any coverage on this. I, I, I forget it was MRC or New, Newsbusters that did like a review and it was like 30 minutes or so combined. And some of that was vo- was focusing on how Republicans are turning this into like a, you know, kind of an us versus them issue and <laughs> shit like that. It was like, really? As you say, if this was... Uh, one of their favorable, uh, you know, communities affected or whatever, you know what I mean? Uh, oh, my God, it would be around the, the organization just to help out these people. The Red Cross, you know what I mean? This is like a massive crisis. And, and again, it's not recognized as that because it's all the wrong people uh, in a region like this. It's uh, it's warfare. They, they Look, they want it's a meme, but like they want us dead and they think it's funny, you know? <laughs> No, indeed. And even if all of this was totally accidental and it was just 100% organic, the response to it is an example of the warfare. So uh, we can just look at how they're handling this, how the media has totally ignored it. And I have to give so much credit like to the guy you have on screen here, uh, e- even the, the the Anon user, but also the guy from TikTok who put out this just an incredible uh, explanation as to what went on. He sounds pretty credible. He uh, studies this stuff. Like that's what his, his business is, his degree is in. And it's these you know, this single people stepping up to the plate that aren't even journalists who are saying, you know what, I'm really concerned about what happened here. Here's the information, do with it, you know, what you will. And literally 
millions and millions and millions of views. Meanwhile, you know, you have entire multi, you know, million dollar media organizations who couldn't even be bothered to send one person there with an iPhone to like no, get some footage. No, it's sickening. Let's listen to this one. This hasn't been getting a lot of coverage and the coverage that it has been getting hasn't been very good. So let's talk about the trail derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. East Palestine's about an hour north of Pittsburgh, almost halfway to Cleveland. Norfolk Southern has a rail line that goes right through town and this derailment happened right on the edge outside of town on the border of PA and Ohio. Of the cars that crashed, five of them contained vinyl chloride. It's a monomer used to make PVC. Some of the reporting on this has gotten vinyl chloride confused with polyvinyl chloride, the polymer made out of vinyl chloride. Now the reason that this distinction is really important is vinyl chloride is very hazardous and very flammable. Polyvinyl chloride is a plastic that's used in like everything. Another thing about vinyl chloride is that it boils at 8 degrees Fahrenheit, so it's shipped in its liquid form. Meaning that when these trains crashed and these started leaking, they weren't just leaking liquid, but they were spewing boiling gas. So vinyl chloride is really toxic. OSHA has the permissible limit of how much you can be exposed to it during an eight hour shift as a one ppm part per million, average over eight hours. So prior to this, the biggest spill of this chemical was in New Jersey where one train car and about 23,000 gallons of vinyl chloride were spilled, but it didn't catch on fire. Now this crash in Ohio has five train cars. These kinds of tanker cars can carry between 25 and 33,000 gallons. Let's call it 250 to 250,000 pounds of vinyl chloride. That's per train car, five train cars. There's maybe a million pounds of this toxic chemical spilling into the ground and also boiling off into the air. But then it caught on fire. I think this is where the reporting is really bad because no one is mentioning what the byproduct of vinyl chloride burning is. Of the many byproducts of burning vinyl chloride, one of them is hydrogen chloride. Hydrogen chloride is really unstable and latches onto water, like just water vapor in the atmosphere, and that turns into hydrochloric acid. So right now, government officials, officials from the railroad, both the governor of Pennsylvania and Ohio are calling burning off the million pounds of this stuff a success, but not mentioning that it means that we have hundreds of thousands of pounds of acid in the air, potentially. Now, ever since engineering Shit. school, I've studied a lot of industrial accidents. I just find it really fascinating. And organizations like the Chemical Safety Board, NTSB, and OSHA all have like really good reports available to the public. I think as a designer, it's really good to learn about mistakes. When looking at these kinds of industrial disasters across time, there are a couple things that are pretty universal across all of them. One, the responsible party in this case, Norfolk Southern Railway, always plays down the reality of the situation. Politicians also just repeat the same lines, and then news outlets just repeat the same. So all we are hearing is the responsible party's word. Yeah, there you go. And by the way, that chemical, um, vinyl, was it was vinyl chloride? I forget, uh, yeah, vinyl chloride. When that is burned, that turns into a chemical that was actually used during World War One as a chemical warfare agent. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, whoops. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah, this is not good. This is not good at all. Um, no, and, and you know, I, I feel like it's one of those situations. I hope that it's not, but it just feels like it where we've seen the lightning, but we haven't yet felt the thunder. And yeah, we have had yeah. so many examples over the years in the United States of, um, you know, catastrophic industrial um, issues that 
that go on for decades and decades and affect families and and become health issues for a very long time. You know, yeah. I know a lot of people on Long Island uh, in New York. Northrop Grumman there has they did all sorts of stuff, uh, you know, decades ago and buried all sorts of weird stuff underground. And even to this day, they're still dealing with that. There's a toxic plume that makes its way through the the soil there that they're trying to mitigate. And uh, cancer levels in certain neighborhoods are just catastrophic there. So, you know, we don't know what what's going to the fallout was going to be, but a lot of people are already getting sick. And I can only imagine that this could be decades before, you know, this all plays out. Yeah. And uh, what will be the recourse for those those people, those families? I don't know, but I, I do feel a lot of empathy. Yeah, absolutely. And again, we don't know how, how far is this actually spreading? How long does it sustain in the atmosphere? How far, you know, how, how far overall is this area? And as you said before, too, it's a, it's a uh, death by a thousand cuts. It's not that this is the, the, the only thing that kills you. It's, you have Fukushima, then you have this. You have the deep water, you know, event, uh, deep water horizon thing. But they, die, I forget even what that's called now. But remember that uh, the the chemical that was like dissolving, uh, basically breaking down the fat particles on the surface, so it looks like it's gone and it's sinking down to the bottom. You know, what I mean, it's like if they actually had, if they actually had a, a, a true concern, which they claims that they do about the environment and all global warming and shit. There is a million things that these people could deal with and should deal with, but instead we get bogus anthropogenic global warming that it's you and your, you know, the, the cow farts from your meat eating that is the problem. I mean, it's so sickening, you know what I mean? Right. And why are we still transporting these chemicals by rail? Like I Exactly. Yes. And if it's if they are going to go by rail, then they better go on awesome, very well maintained rail lines that look more like Japan or even China yes. at this point yeah. or Switzerland, not to the condition that they're in now. So we have to choose one or the other. And of course, the the there nobody is choosing anything beyond just the status quo, keep doing it this way, and you know nobody needs to really maintain anything. And uh, of course, now we're seeing like this explosion <laughs> of train derailments just in the last week alone. Uh, yeah, a thousand train derailments each year, and I'm I'm thinking about this, and just like, what what's the cost of this? Is this <laughs> is this even? I mean, it it is expensive. I forget what it was. It was some. I was looking into something regarding shipping something, and it was like the the, the prospect of having it through train was very expensive. And maybe this is part of it. Like it's part of the cost, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, summary the, the the assessment of the overall price of things because it happens. I think with the what was it something I heard. They don't even have brakes on individual cars that that transport like oil and, and these other chemicals, which of course they should have. So if something happens, they all break. Now they're just piling up on each other and and you know, causing this. It's it's so again so aggravating, right? We have trillions and trillions being printed out of thin air, and and the most fundamental basic things you think that like our society exists for, like ensuring that we can continue to live our lives without being poisoned. Those would be kind of like the priority here, but no, instead it's like open the borders, bring in the refugees. Uh, make sure that the gender reassignment surgery is is for free when you join the military over the whatever the hell it is like it's it's our priorities are our fucked up as they say so for the bad language but that's just what it is right well i mean i just saw literally before we went live uh, a report that the pentagon or dod is saying that they're going to pay for military service members service women of course to uh to travel to states to get abortion that's right give them yes. paid time leave so it's like the priorities of the globalist American empire are so out of whack 
But of course, it's all intentional. It's, it's not to, to think that it's uh, because of incompetence. That's uh, that's a boomer meme. Of course, They're, these are all intentional policies meant to demoralize, destroy the nation, and uh, continue to degrade. But um, you know, it's funny with the with the thousand train derailments. I think the number comes out to like seventeen hundred based on reported derailments. Seventeen hundred per year, supposedly. I don't really know what that means. That could mean like you know a wheel goes askew right. while it's sure. station. Who knows? Yeah. But I do know that uh, that's not acceptable in a first world country. And that doesn't happen necessarily in other countries where they actually pride themselves on taking care of the at least the rail lines, the, the infrastructure. I lived in Switzerland for the last five years and, uh, you know, there's an occasional maybe a train issue, but everybody rides trains there. They're totally safe and they're very well maintained. But, you know, what I was thinking was, you know, I put out a couple of uh, semi-viral tweets about this issue and the NPCs, of course, swarming the replies. 1700 per year. This is nothing to worry about. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is the next NPC talking point. They've all had their upload. 1700 per year. Nothing to worry about. And sure enough, I hear Pete Buttigieg, uh, you know, yesterday or today saying it's not really that big of a deal. We have over a thousand per year. This is just another one. Like, <laughs> that's maybe, maybe it. That's fascinating. That. that means down the more there are of something, the more like uh, normal, uh, normalized that could be. That that's fascinating. It's, I'll remember that uh, <laughs> take actually. Exactly. It's just oh, another shit. drop in the bucket. Seventeen hundred trailer derailments a year. No big deal. <sighs> Biden admin turns down Ohio's request for disaster assistance after toxic derailment. FEMA continues to tell Governor DeWine that Ohio is not eligible for assistance, Governor's office says. And then, uh, I'm not sure if this is part of the comment, but uh, now White House explains why it turned down res uh, disaster relief for Ohio. Let's listen a little bit to this. I know that... Uh, Pete uh, Buttplug talks in this clip here. News. President Biden's EPA administrator finally has visited East Palestine two weeks after the toxic train derailment that sent that black stuff flying. But Transporta Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg is not going and said this. A uh, horrible situation has gotten a particularly high amount of attention. There are roughly 1,000 cases a year of a train derailment. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> now I feel better. Well, I can't drink my water or uh, take a shower. Sure. Okay, there you go. And then, by the way, what was it the, the day before? I played it last Wednesday, uh, the Wednesday show. But like he, he went on to, to berate that there's too many white working men in certain construction industries while not even addressing this issue. Again, they hate us, Dan. Yes, he said there are too many construction workers that don't reflect the neighborhoods they work in. Um, you know what's funny about that? I think a lot of construction workers these days are Latinos. So, I mean, I don't, I don't yeah, know. Right. Is he making a dig at Latinos, yeah. maybe? That sounded kind well, of racist to but me. But again, well, if you have then a board of a company that's majority white, let's assume the company is based in a white area. That's still a problem, isn't it? As soon as there's too many white people, then we can we cannot have accurate representation, right? Never. Even In fact, we even hear that going back decades... It was just too, it was horribly white, everything. And that was almost a crime in and of itself. It's fascinating how that uh, the tables turn, right? Yeah, and that doesn't apply to the countries that some of these people come from. They're not no. horribly no, overrepresented so. Hispanics or something like that. But, you know, these are just the, the tired, this whipping posts that we're just getting so tired of uh, this issue. But, of course, you know, the chickens are coming home to roost. And I'm sure we'll see some of that footage later on of, of uh, how much... The anti-white hatred in this country that is coming from the top down has uh, is really affecting people at the ground level and, and children. At this oh, point. it's it's horrible. Uh, a couple of uh, super chats over on Odyssey. Uh, Trucker Chris says uh, AJ needs to name them. Uh, thank you, uh, uh, Trucker. 
Uh, Chalky Milk, hey Henrik, executive producer, TM, swinging by to executively produce. TM, thank you, man, I appreciate that. Always oh, good to see you, Chalky, thank you. Uh, Restitutor Orbis says, uh, hashtag that, Red Eyes for Life, thank you, man, I appreciate that. Second Wanderer over on Enterprise says, uh, hey, Lepogmans, do you think that, uh, do you think that the fact that this train derailed in a predominantly white area was a coincidence? Yeah, again, I'm not sure it's, I don't think the derailment is the. Uh, you never know. Look, I'm not. Ne you can never say never about these kinds of things. Uh, sabotage is certainly possible, but I think it's more likely that they're basically just using this. But yes, the reason why, as we showed in the Fox News headline there, uh, that help is not coming to these people. And, and again, maybe the, I don't know. What do you think, Dan? I mean, FEMA has kind of been notorious for like doing a bunch of other shady shit when they show up at these kinds of locations. So maybe this is a blessing in disguise. But you know what I mean? It's it's about the point. It's the same thing with the like the uh, monoclonal antibodies for COVID, for example. That might not be to be your ideal choice of medication to go to. However, if it's denied based on race, it sets that sets that precedent of saying, well, now we can just deny you even if you've broken your leg. If you come into hospital and you're white, well, sorry, back of the line for you. And it's kind of the same thing here that depending on who it happens to, not what it is, but we will review who this happened to and then we decide whether you get help or not. No, absolutely. And th that's the complicated, very complicated, new the nuances of the issue. You know, there's so many levels of the onion to peel back where we see, okay, the, the EPA is denying assistance to them. Why is that when the EPA, you know, of course, would rush it to somewhere else? But then, of course, do you really want the EPA on the ground? So you have these really tricky um, aspects of the thing to, to navigate. But what we don't have to wonder about is whether or not there was a movie made last year <laughs> about a train derailment and a subsequent uh, chemical explosion and an evacuation of a town in Ohio where apparently residents of East Palestine were actually extras in this movie. So we don't have to worry about that. Is that a coincidence? Or we don't have to wonder about that, you know, actually being something that happens, you know, right in the same region. We can ask about that. That's a really weird one that I find interesting, you know, regarding the location of the crash, of course, uh, there's no way to know that, but um, I'm here's, sure people here, will keep digging and trying to find out. But here's the a trailer. Thing is weird. Let me play yeah. it. Then. Here's a trailer for that. Yeah. Let's watch a sitcom or something. No. They're calling it the airborne toxic event. We won't come this way. Will we have to leave our home? Of course not. How do you know? I just know. Okay. What if it's dangerous? We have a situation. All we have. All right, cut short there. But uh, yes, there you go. The uh, human subconscious is a very powerful thing, and if you can program that, shall we say, in different ways, I think you uh, will. You'll see some miraculous things happen in the real world. And by the way, I actually watched part of this yesterday. And the beginning of the movie, my God, it was just on and on about Nazis and Hitler and Germany bad, like all these other things that was weaved into it. And he just felt, so when I was looking at it and thinking about the accents, like, is this some kind of weird, like, occult attack on white people or something? You know what I mean? Like, this, <laughs> I don't rule out anything at this point. <laughs> I don't rule out anything either. When you know about Event 201 happening just a few months before the COVID situation, uh, then y y all you have to see is that and say, you know what? Anything is possible. These people are capable of anything. Yeah, that's right. 
Uh, Dog Whistler says, uh, does BlackRock pan the railroad? Yeah, maybe, maybe they do. Huh? Uh, check out this one here. Uh, so a couple of more, right? We had uh, another derailment in uh, Michigan, Van Buren. Again, yes, there's a lot of these. But as you said, is it these catastrophic, like multiple cars turning over, things you know, setting on fire type thing? I'm not sure about that. Let's look a little bit of this uh, footage here from Michigan. It says, uh, currently, multiple authorities are responding to a massive train derailment in Van Buren Township, Michigan. Officials are reporting that only one car in the train was carrying hazardous materials. Oh, good. Uh, which is reportedly showing no sign of leaking or damage at this time, as authorities are asking people to avoid uh, the area. So that's one. And then, of course, we had, we had what was it, two more here since that time as well. Uh, tell us about this. Was it Doral, Florida? Yeah. Uh, in terms of the fire, th this apparently, I just saw this before we went live. This is a major fire at a renewable energy plant in Doral, which is part of Miami. Um, and so that's near the, the Trump Doral as well. Doral is a, like a really up and coming industrial zone. A lot of uh, big, you know, um, warehouses there and plants and that sort of thing. And so this fire apparently, according to the report, has been going for five days, but residents told to shelter in place. And this comes on the heels of another fire in Kissimmee, Florida, which is uh, up near Orlando. That's actually where Disney World is um, in that area. And they had a major fire there, I think, at some sort of plastic manufacturing plant. And then um, so that there's that there were multiple train derailments in South Carolina and in Texas uh, earlier in the week. And then also, um, I just sent you a video. It's from Arizona, the truck on the highway. I don't know if you've covered that one yet. That video is unbelievable. I mean, all these videos are, are, are shocking and terrible. This one looks, this one looks really bad. Um, oh yeah, the Arizona one. Let me, let me play that one real quick. Here we go. Yes, two thousand pounds of nitric acid. I think it was. Hmm. And apparently, if you come in contact with this, like breathing it in, it's it's really bad. And, and as you see, a lot of people are just driving right through it. Of course, yep. they don't know or understand what's going on. So uh, people within a half mile to a mile radius of this were told to shelter in place. There's another aspect to this that shouldn't be overlooked is that every time something like this happens, people are told to shelter in place. And what have we been ordered to do for the last couple of years is Lockdowns. essentially shelter in place so yeah you know just it's just stuff to keep on the mind you know it doesn't necessarily mean anything really but uh you know keep these things in mind when the government comes in and says shelter in place uh all of a sudden you find yourself uh not allowed to leave your house for a month or something because of some mystery disease going around well it's true and it's it kind of again using i'm not saying all of these are planned but i'm saying if this is what just happens to happen um if that's the right word but uh, because again i mean think about it People are getting more lazy. They're not paying attention. People are all spurgy. And, you know, I mean, there's so many reasons for why, you know, we have more uh, ineptitude, incompetent. You know, I mean, there's so many things along the way that could be a reason for why this happens. But just a little slight nuanced aspect of let's use this to normalize the idea that we can just t tell you to stay inside or you're not allowed to do anything because, and I mean, in this case, I don't think that this is fake, obviously. I think this is real stuff in the air. But I'm saying, 
it could very well be oh it was an accident at a plant isn't it's a, a tasteless odorless you know whatever <laughs> uh, chemical in the air uh, and uh, you know everyone within I don't know you know uh, 20 miles have to stay inside or something it's it's just about normalizing that which is kind of interesting when you think about it everything no, absolutely and you're priming they're priming the pump you know we saw them actually execute quite a, a, a complex and tyrannical plan globally they basically told the entire globe to stay in their homes. But, you know, just taking this locally into, into the United States, I mean, what happens if there is a, a nuke that goes off somewhere in the United States? The the groundwork is being laid for a nuke attack for sure with the, the whole uh, situation in Russia and Ukraine. Um, so that wouldn't be out of the cards for a nuke to go off. Uh, you have these strange balloons going over. Why, why couldn't one of them drop a nuke? Um, so, you know, imagine how long you could get millions and millions of people to stay inside and of course we saw new york city a couple months ago they were rolling out you know preparedness for a nuke explosion propaganda I remember that. every yeah you know, take shelter stay inside that sort of thing so you have that um you know what if there's a, ma a massive cyber attack you know we've we've probably called you you have probably covered cyber uh, polygon yep so they say oh you know it's not safe to be out because uh you know nothing's working lights are out and uh street lights are out and public transit's down so stay home so you don't crowd up the roads while we get things sorted out for the next month like there's just so many different ways that they that they could roll out the next lockdown um and and you know getting people accustomed to to the idea that stay home for your safety we're getting things sorted out yeah uh, i think we're seeing that people are being groomed by these groomers <laughs> that's right yeah and, and again i think we're ultimately being prepped for climate lockdowns i mean that i it's just at some point that is coming and it's basically going to be uh if you don't do this and we're already seeing that kind of these narratives i mean i think the latest World Economic Forum here was, I mean, the heightened rhetoric over the fact that, like, you are all going to die. Did you look at some of that? <laughs> We're all dying. It's going to you, you do what we tell you. You all die. It was like insane. It was cartoonish almost the level of it. Yeah, absolutely. And they, and they, you know, we saw recently a week or two ago in Scotland, they were basically announcing that they plan to uh, confine you to certain driving distances and that if you wanted to drive any further, you know, let's say 20 kilometers was something like that. If you wanted to drive any further than that, you had to apply for a pass to do so. Yeah. Um, and then in the inverse of that, they're having, you know, sections, major sections of, of cities where you either can't go into with a car, like in Dublin, there are mm -hmm. parts of Dublin where you're not yep. allowed to drive through during certain hours of the day. Or if you want to enter, you have to pay basically a fine, a tax to go into those areas. Uh, like London already has that in place. And so, and then you have mixed that all in with the 15 minute cities. They're getting people accustomed to living in smaller and smaller spaces. And it's all out of convenience and also, you know, saving the planet. And then it's funny, I saw the, the other memes about that was basically like, but you were told to take the vax so you could, you know, go go and travel, <laughs> go on a plane. But like, you're not going to be allowed to do that anymore anyway. It's not so funny about it. Oh shit! Yeah, or or if you or if you go on a plane, <laughs> it might fall out of the sky or crash into there, there you plane go. at the airport or a exactly. bus might hit it. Well, yeah, yeah. Remarkable how how everything ties into that one vision they have for us at the end. Uh, into the pod, eat the bugs. You know. Yeah. Check, this is a quick little supercut I did here from the World Economic Forum, right? But check out the rhetoric here. Just a good reminder of like. Uh, just how heightened it is right now regarding the environment. Check this out. Climate refugees predicted to reach one billion in this century. Look at the xenophobia and political authoritarian trends that have come from just a few million refugees. What about a billion? Scientifically, this is not a climate crisis. 
We are now facing something deeper. Mass extinction, air pollution, undermining ecosystem functions. This is a planetary crisis. We are flirting with climate disaster. Every week brings a new climate horror story. Greenhouse gas emissions are at record levels and growing. We have to act. If we continue with our greenhouse gas emissions, then by 2070, as many as 3 billion people will live in uninhabitable zones. Without further action, we are headed to a 2.8 degree increase. Several parts of our planet would be uninhabitable, and for many, it will mean a death sentence. All right, and then we have this. This was a wonderful little uh, <laughs> singing tune. It was great, by the way. But anyway, you get the point, right? That sounds like a threat to me. And certainly, if this keeps up, yeah, you, they'll make it inhabitable by all the dumb shit that they've. We'll, do we, what PVC was that? What he said? The, the guy in the clip there is it? You know, again, you think about all these products that that, that they're already they're releasing endocrine disruptors and estrogen mimickers into the atmosphere or into our environments. Anyways, like, is it really worth this? You know what I mean? Maybe we need to rethink some stuff here. What do you think, Dan? No, absolutely. I mean, this, the, your your uh, fellow country woman at this point, uh, Greta Thunberg. Thunberg. You say it right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Thunberg <laughs> is funnier one because it's a Thunderberg. <laughs> I mean, you know, she she really has been an effective um, disciple of this whole thing because you see what the, the young people, how they respond to this propaganda and it's hip and it's cool. And, uh, you know, I mean, I've seen so many of these insane marches in, in Europe where, you know, it's a bunch of mini or older Gretas uh, running around cities uh, demanding, of course, that everybody stop driving and stop eating meat and, uh, you know, doing everything that our ancestors sweat and bled and died to provide for us work so hard to give us this civilization that's right and little freakazoids like this want to just take it all away and go back to uh living in mud huts essentially they want us <laughs> to all live like we're in africa at this point right exactly <clears throat> yeah the only tech they'd have is to like to keep you know monitor our brain waves or something so that we don't get out of hand <laughs> like super high tech on the very top but yeah we'll we'll run around with loincloths in, in mud huts essentially oh man <clears throat> what a time to be alive i'll tell you that much all right so another it was i guess we're on the world economic forum Let's play this clip. I didn't show this yet. <clears throat> Here's uh, Klaby Schwab, uh, one of the clown, uh, the, the, the usual suspects, if you will, Cl the clown villain, uh, talking about tech here. Check this out. We are just now where we move into the exponential phase. And I agree. Artificial intelligence, but not only artificial intelligence, <clears throat> but also the metaverse, new space technologies, and I could go on and on, synthetic biology, our life in 10 years from now will be completely different, very much affected, and who masters those technologies in some way will be the master of the world. <laughs> We are just now. It's uh, <clears throat> we move in. Is this guy like paid to fulfill this role? I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to piece this guy in there in the puzzle a little bit. But he, he feels like he's he's the perfect kind of 
mimicked after a Bond villain, which will, will kind of make most people, if they're not, you know, 100% aware of this, at least subconsciously, you know, kind of have that association to him. But that doesn't mean, of course, he's not influential. He's a PR man for uh, very real things that the elite is trying to uh, uh, pull off, Dan. Absolutely. I was just thinking about it. You know, I don't think this guy is boomers would say that this guy is the mastermind behind all of our problems, but I would not uh, would not say the same. Like no. you said, he's a PR guy. Um, but it is interesting to see that this guy is now and Davos and, and the World Economic Forum are in the mainstream lexicon now, because just a few years ago, this barely existed. Uh, you know, if you talked about it, it was a conspiracy theory. Um, and of course, something like Bilderberg was even more shadowy. But we know Bilderberg happens every year and, and I've covered it myself. I've, met, you know, encountered these people and been on the ground. But at least people are talking about it. At least they realize that that their enemies aren't they're not like the Bushes and the Obamas so much as they are, you know, much larger, you know, o overarching entities that are that are just installing their their pr men into positions of power and and klaus schwab is is hardly any different than any of those people they're just he's just an iteration of uh of the pr men for this agenda but you know um there are people above him that we don't know their names or m most folks wouldn't know their names that are actually no, the ones exactly that are scheming this all out that's right. And it reminded me too, right? This is <clears throat> says down on his uh, the podium there, like World Government Summit. And it was a I'm trying to find it was a great uh, meme that someone pointing to this as it was on YouTube. And they had the like the, you know, the little warning panel underneath of like, you know, <laughs> no world. No, there's no world government and stuff. <laughs> it's a while they're actually at the World Government Summit talking about this. Uh, it's kind of funny, actually. They admit, you know, it's like, no, it's not happening. We got to deny anything that, you, you know, don't believe your lying eyes kind of thing. But then, like, we'll deny it, but then it's right in front of your eyes. It's, it's an amazing, uh, like, psych what's the word I'm looking for? Like, just, I guess, the mind fuck of that, <laughs> basically. Or like, not being able to objectively point at the reality in front of your nose, uh, and you're expected to, to believe the lie. It's incredible. It's um, 11 out of 10 gaslighting at this point. Right, are, yeah. You read it, you say, okay, world government, and then YouTube says, there's no such thing as a world government. And you're like, this is this is just insane. Clown world is uh, is a wild place. That's right. Um, let's play this too. Elon, he actually had a, some good things to say. Uh, and again, it's so... Whenever it's someone up in that in that kind of position, they have influence, they have power, money, or they they're somehow kind of wheeling and dealing at least with elites. Um, Elon, of course, being one, one of them, I think ultimately. But he said a couple of good things re regarding that. They're like maybe we shouldn't basically put all our eggs in one basket by globalizing everything. Maybe it's like because if if one chain in this link fails, well then it might all fail. Look at this uh, clip here. One thing I should say, on, and I know this is called the World Government Summit, um, but uh, I think we should be <laughs> maybe a little bit concerned about uh, actually becoming too much of a single world government. Um, if, if I may say that we want to avoid creating a civilizational risk by having, um, frankly, this may sound a little odd, too much cooperation between governments. Um, you know, if you know, if you look at, say, the, at history and the rise and fall of civilizations, um, the, the really all throughout history, civilizations have risen and fallen, but it hasn't meant the doom of humanity as a whole because there have been, been all these separate civilizations that were separated by 
great distances. And so, um, you know, say like while Rome was falling, it, uh, it you know, uh, Islam was rising, and uh, so you had like a, uh, you know, the the sort of caliphate do, doing incredibly well while Rome was doing terribly. Um, and that actually ended up being a source of preservation of knowledge uh, and, uh, and many scientific advancements. And so, um, so I think we want to be a little bit cautious about uh, being too much of a, world, of a single uh, civilization because if we are too much of a single civilization, then if, if we, if the, whole, the whole thing may collapse. Um, I'm not, obviously not suggesting war or anything like that, but I think we want to be a little bit wary of actually cooperating too much it sounds a little odd but well unless the plan is to actually wreck the thing and drive it into the ground at least temporarily right that's what the great reset is really about it's to creating the chaos you can bring in the order and restructure everything essentially but he's right obviously no absolutely and and it's so hard to understand elon musk because he does yeah. some good things yeah. and he does some stupid things but you know i i'm trying to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because i'm trying to look at him you know, because if I'm just so blackpilled on him that I'm not going to appreciate some of the things that he's done, like, you know, buying Twitter and um, and saying some of these things where, you know, he's the only person in the room saying it in a bunch of you know, a room full of elites. And he sounds pretty reasonable and he's kind of cautioning them against certain things. And so um, I, I'm trying to view him in a way because I know we I know we know, all know people who they don't necessarily like they don't get what's going on, not because they, the information isn't there, but like their personality or their thought process doesn't process the information the way that yours and I, yours and mine do. So he's, he's well-intentioned maybe, and he's kind of perturbed by some of the stuff he sees, but he tries to give some of the benefit of the doubt. He openly admits that he voted for Biden and regrets it. Of course you say, what an idiot. How did you fall for the Biden thing? But like who, who of these elites, says I voted for Biden and I'm not really excited about that. No, they, they don't, they're not saying that. So um, in a way, Elon shows at least he shows a little bit more humanity than some of these other globalists. And so I don't uh, don't hate him. I just I'm kind of indifferent on him, kind of center of the road. And I appreciate some of the things that he's doing and other things that just go what are you doing, dude? Yeah, I would assume if he actually is a threat, uh, he would start losing, you know, the NASA contracts with space. You know, like all these things would probably, I assume. And and I think they, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's a little bit too early to tell, but they're trying to corral Twitter right now. And the EU is, of course, you know, issuing, I forget what it was, the warnings, essentially, to they've been threatening Elon, like obey us or, you know, we will uh, sanction, you know, your company and things like that. So that seems to be uh, very real, but it, I'm, I'm, I'm also very wary and suspicious sometimes um, of people that that kind of have all the all the right enemies. Do you know what I mean? And but the, but nothing ever kind of really comes from it. If that makes sense. Well, you you also have to ask yourself: Has he made himself in a way indispensable? Because certain people, if they're doing enough, like running the space program essentially for the United States, yeah, um, and and producing electric cars, which you know really works for their agenda. Um, if he's doing enough that benefits them, do they say to themselves, maybe getting rid of this guy completely would hurt us more than if we just try to like, you know, keep him in check a little bit, threaten him here and there, let him have a few wins here because everybody's playing chess. So, um, maybe there are a couple of people 
you know, the Joe Rogans, the Elon Musks, I don't, you know, I don't know, I'm just speculating that have risen to a level where they're, it's not as convenient to completely take them out as it is to try to corral them yeah. and let them have a win here or there. Yeah, I think that's uh, that seems to be what's going on, to be honest. Now, speaking about the World Economic Forum, check out this one here. Jordan Peterson sets up pro-human alternative to global globalist corporatist World Economic Forum. Uh, professor of psychology and public speaker Jordan, crying in crying in your room watching your penis, Peterson has announced the formation of an international consortium that would serve as a kind of populist alternative to the elite World Economic Forum and provide the countervailing force against globalist aims and narratives. Peterson laid out his plan in an appearance, and as to mention what you talked about there on Joe Rogan, his podcast, telling him that at an inaugural event of the group. Uh, that's being planned for the cusp of October-November 2023 in London. Around 2,000 business, cultural, and political figures will be invited to take part in the consortium, he said, adding that he wants the discussions open to the public and membership in the organization to be as broad as possible. I think, uh, and I know you've been critical of, of Pearson too, like a, a, he, he's one of these steam valves and, 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 and it serve, kind of serves the system. It doesn't mean that, oh, oh he said something, you know, philosophically uh, pr profound here. Or, the, yes, there's been some things that he mentioned that has helped people. I'm not trying to kind of throw out the paper with the bathwater, but it, I think it's true at the same time. It serves the the, the uh, agenda to have that kind of Hegelian dialectic going. That like here are your approved conservative steam valve sources. That if you you're, if you're opposed leftist liberalism, here are all these other you know voices that you can go to. And and, and they're seemingly kind of like they, they don't get banned or censored for the most part. Interestingly, and it, like Daily Wire doesn't get banned. The, the Blaze doesn't you know is not booted from the App Store. If these were real threats, they they would be taken down. But they're not right. They're still there. They're operating. They're not being financially, you know, uh, uh, targeted and things like that. Uh, but it, but it serves them because that way you have, you, as you say, you corral people into this little uh, playpen that conservatives can like frolic in for a little bit uh, and kind of vent, uh, and nothing really happens. What's your view on uh, Peterson? I'm not a Peterson fan. I never have <laughs> been. I think. I think um, he has says a few good things, but so does Ben Shapiro. I'm, I can't stand either of them. I think that they are opportunists um, who have been allowed to work their way to a position of power to some degree. Um, yes, Peterson has said some good things in the past, but I, I just find him to be incredibly boring. He shows his true colors at times when he demands that the demon trolls or whatever all be banned from, from <laughs> social media. When, of course, those are like the most effective, important people on the platforms. Um, or, or the crying, um, the drug addiction. Like, I don't really trust the guy. Like, he, he's, he builds a career on telling young men to clean their room, and then he develops a drug addiction. I mean, I know he was going through a lot of stuff, but I just don't trust him. Uh, he is not someone that I give too much benefit of the doubt to. I don't think he's doing enough good uh, in order to, to do that. But let's just say the whole thing was totally well-intentioned, and they're going to bring in 2,000, um, you know, people who who are want to stand up to the world economic forum in some way even if it was totally well intentioned 100% how long would it take for that whole thing to be infiltrated with people who are like like Nikki Haley or like you know like those kinds yeah. of people who are just who are controlled ops and uh, they just just to make conservatives feel like oh we have a you know a seat at the table as well when of course we don't they're all working towards the same things just at different speeds I think the criticism against the World Economic Forum has been 
maybe a little bit too strong. Maybe there are some among the elite that are surprised at the pushback. And so, of course, they have to offer kind of basically the same thing. And even Elon, by the way, people did like comparisons, you know, tweet against tweet versus, you know, him versus the World Economic Forum. And he's like, he has for a single currency. He wants a digital. He wants, you know, all, I forget all the points now, but it's like he lined up with him. But I mean, Peterson, uh, who helped to edit the report for uh, the sustainable development, uh, you know, debacle, um, he could very well basically offer more or less the same kind of um, points, but through a different wrapper, <laughs> to be honest, right? Yeah, left hand, right hand, you know, path to the same end game. So, yeah. no, I don't trust the guy. I think this is a dumb idea. It's cringe. And uh, my my opinion is destroy the World Economic Forum politically in Minecraft, um, and uh, and don't try anything like that ever again. And let's just worry. Let's just worry about our own countries, our own states, and we can have you know alliances. But uh, the thought of you know thousands of of thought leaders getting together to plot the future of humanity for everybody, uh, cringe, just yeah, horrible. I know. Uh, so anyway, so yeah, I mean, Jordan Peterson signed on with the Daily Wire. He meets up with Netanyahu and all of a sudden all these kind of interesting ideas starting to bubble out from the guy. And here's one of the uh, recent things he said on his podcasts. Uh, check this out. If any of you have been particularly taken by this story today, you know, you could always put pen to paper and write your congressman or your senator or, and let them know that you're not all that happy about the situation in Iran and that if uh, the politicians got their act together and were stalwart in their opposition to this fundamentalist, totalitarian, mis misogynistic, brutal regime, that maybe it could be pushed over and that would be a nice object lesson to totalitarian tyrants everywhere in the world. <laughs> so, yes, another John Bolton, uh, a neocon guy. That's exactly what we uh, need, calling for regime change in Iran. Isn't that fascinating? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, I never... I didn't hear too many opinions out of him that sounded like neocony, so to speak. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, all of a sudden, Jordan Peterson is a warmongering neocon. I'm just like, I, you got to be suspicious of people like this when they start, you know, touting those kinds of talking points. No thanks. Yeah. Where is it? The the where's the screenshot here? Oh, here it is. Yeah, exactly. Meeting up with uh, <clears throat> Netanyahu here. Just a reminder for for people. Uh, here he is right here with the official at official Ben Shapiro's Instagram, I think, uh, and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. And he did all these videos, right? Message to Muslims, message to Jews, message to Christians. And he's like, wanting, it looked like he was like wanting to unify the whole thing, essentially. <laughs> this is the, the, the most simplified version of encapsulating that, which is like, um, anyway. There's a lot you could say about the gay, the gay, yeah, the gay, the guy, <laughs> the gay guy. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Peterson is what it is. Uh, let me see here. We got Lycan Warrior over on Entropy says, uh, let me see here. Black students forcing white students in elementary school to say Black Lives Matter. Wow. Imagine my shock. Springfield police are investigating a report from Kenwood Elementary School that allegedly involved several students and a racial incident of officers were called to the school around 10 a.m. Monday about an incident that happened Friday during recess on the playground, according to the police uh, or the report, police report, which states assault and menacing as the potential offenses. The school principal told officers that a group of a group of black students gathered several white students on the spot of the playground and, quote, forced them to state Black Lives Matter against their will. Holy shit. The principal said a few of the students 
who try to avoid the situation were, quote, chased down and escorted, dragged or carried back to the spot on the playground. And one student was punched in the head by one of the suspects, according to the report. The group of students also reportedly recorded the students who were forced to make the statement. Can you, can you imagine in, in this era that uh, all of a sudden there's a, a kind of a pervasive anti-white sent, sentiment spreading among non-white populations? Amazing, isn't it then? It's I, I couldn't imagine where it came from. <laughs> yeah, you know what's amazing? This story I saw, it came, somebody sent it to me last night. And then today, Libs of TikTok put out one of these uh, videos. Um, you know, she pulled off whatever. And it, it was uh, it was almost like the same thing, except the teacher in this classroom had basically organized um it, the, the kids looked like maybe 10 years old and he, he basically staged uh, a play or something like that in the classroom where all of the black students sat down in chairs and they were waited on hand and foot by the white students um and that's on the the libs of tiktok twitter if anyone yeah. wants to find that yeah. and uh it was like right after seeing this story where it's like it's the same thing you know so you can imagine those kids uh you know going out in the playground and continuing the, the, you know, the attack on, on, on white kids, anti-white, yeah. uh, uh, behavior. Um, and so you wonder, it's, it's all starting in the classrooms. It's starting in the, you know, uh, mainstream media, uh, the propaganda is thick and heavy. And now we're seeing, you know, what's happening on all these horrible videos that have been coming out as of Especially late. Especially white uh, girls and, are being attacked right now. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. You saw, obviously, Adriana Kush, right, being picked on. It, to me, looking at the video, there was maybe not all uh, non-white people attacking her, but the, that was the, the primary uh, aggressor as far as I saw it. And again, school not doing anything. And, and you could see how quickly this would change, right? And, and it's like, you know, our enemies, they make the comparison. It was like, oh, well, that's how he was like for minorities when they lived in white society. And my argument is no. <laughs> Look, maybe things happen occasionally and stuff like that. But it wasn't an instant, and, and they, they 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 say you know absolutely not to this. But now it's this institutional, as you say, it's academia, culture, uh, even from religion in some cases, like this vehement anti-whiteness. They're talking about how white people is the reason for uh, again, like the climate crisis, like all these things are being weaved together, creating this monstrous straw man image. But it makes sense, unfortunately that young non-white kids that grow up and they basically it's white people's fault you know what i mean and, and that those thoughts turns to words and those words as the leftists say does turn to violence eventually and that's what we're seeing uh, and that has to be pushed back and i mean at this point i'm like we just have to have our own spaces we, you know our own institution we have to create something parallel I'm, I'm not sure we can turn this around but the point is we can't live like this as, as people say we, we don't have to live like this yeah no, we don't have to live like this. We should not live like this. Uh, unfortunately, too many cowardly people that came before us allowed us to be pushed into this corner at this point. And, you know, if anybody just if you want an idea of what it can look like in the not too distant future, just look at what's going on in South Africa. And I know that the ratios are different, but, um, you know, there is serious, serious issues and they need to be talked about in this country because a lot of people are getting hurt and killed and it, you know we're talking about the schools right now but out in the real world you know out in uh, on the streets of the cities it's getting bad it's getting really really bad you know i cover a lot of crime uh in the cities uh for infowars and i have to go through pick through um the the timelines of police departments and it's just crime after crime after crime 
certain groups of people seem to be committing a vast majority of the crime. And a lot of times the, um, the victims are, you know, maybe from outside of their group. And so, uh, it's getting worse and worse and it's, it's really disturbing, but it is, it is the hardest for me to swallow when it's the children who are suffering, you know, and and basically it's sanctioned by, by the people who are in charge of taking care of them. And, and I say to people, plan accordingly. And for everyone, that means something different. But for parents, it should mean getting your children out of those situations and getting them under your wing so that you can take care of them and you go from there. Yep. I had a clip and it was not subtitled. This was kind of hard to, you know, sometimes translate on the spot, but it was a, just a short compilation of all these migrants attacking young Swedish kids. And it just, I mean, it's gut-wrenching watching this. And it just like, you know I mean? And this is humiliation crimes and they think it's funny. They film this and they, they like to urinate on kids. They want to kiss my feet, kiss my hand, ha ha, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's just the the resentment and the hatred of these people that, that we've ultimately let into our countries. Like our, our, our generosity of letting these people come to our countries. And this is how we're being... Uh, how our how our children are being repaid essentially from this it's it's just look it's a it's a time period right now of a lot of pain but obviously this can't stand and it will not go on forever something has to give and it sure it could fall fall disfavorably for us uh but i think the longer this goes on dan i think the more people are going to wake up the more organization you're going to see to start changing this whatever that means at the end of the day but the point is I don't think it will continue like this, you know, indefinitely. Something is is going to change. What do you think? I, I do hope so. Um, I think that more people that wouldn't normally have talked about this these issues are starting to talk about them. Thankfully, um, I saw an interesting tweet from Mike Cernovich recently. He doesn't really weigh into this this realm too much, but there was this horrible video um, from Philadelphia, and it was, uh, I believe, a single white female walking down a street in Philadelphia and. Four black males ran up behind her, smashed her over the back of the head, and brutally beat her in the street, and who knows what else. And Cernovich said, you know, the one thing that's preventing this country from turning into Rwanda, in his opinion, is uh, the fact that enough people are still armed. And what happens when those people aren't armed or if there's an effort to disarm them? What will the attacks look like if there's no you know, uh, threat that maybe someone might retaliate against an attacker and take their life or injure them? Um, and so... Um, People are starting to talk. They're starting to say, you know what? We have a problem here. We need to address it. And, uh, and, that's, and that's what nobody should fear talking about this stuff. Don't let, let the mainstream media and your liberal relatives and, and no. you know, the trolls online call you whatever they want. This is a matter of survival. And it's a matter of protecting children and future generations. So that's people right. need to use their voice. Use your First Amendment. You live in this country. You're like the only country with a First Amendment. Even if it seems like that's decaying, uh, use it for sure. Yeah, yeah 100%. Uh, all right, let me take a couple of these here on Odyssey Hexagon Podcast. Says uh, five bucks for a fellow Swede. Well, thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Uh, Night Nation Review says uh, Odyssey's membership program needs some work. It has some kind of bug that has locked me out. Oh, shit. And won't let me sign back up. Another user told me they had a problem like this with uh, uh, with my own, too. Yeah, I have to write to them and see what that is. I heard from a couple. That's uh, That definitely sucks. I've enjoyed what Odyssey is doing on that front. So hopefully there's no, uh, you know, that's bugs that they can churn out. But thank you for letting me know about that. And I can actually write to them and uh, see if they can address the issue. Thank you, man. Good to see you. Uh, Irish Nationalist Media says the white pill 
is our people are waking up gradually. We are far bigger, widespread and mainstream today than any of the previous decades since the 1960s. Anyone in this movement, even for the last 10 years, will notice the difference. And even uh, with the online financial censorship, we even yeah, even despite the online financial censorship, we continue to grow. I mean, absolutely. I mean, this is inevitable. White identity is inevitable in the wake of this. They can't just attack us and demonize us without us just. I, I refuse to think that we as Europeans would just sit down and, and, you know, take this shit indefinitely and, and just walk off the stage of history and like, well, we had a good run. Bye. You know, <laughs> I refuse to, to see that. So my, my point has always been to. And it's not a cope, but it's like hang in there. I mean, if some of this stuff is so hard for you that it's it start just turning negatively, you have to turn away from that. Do 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 things that makes you inspired. Do positive things. You know, there's other things you can help to build instead. Uh, you know, you know, do cultural things that's still beneficial to the overall you know kind of direction of of what we're trying to do here or achieve. There are many other things. Don't let it, you know, kind of bear you, but 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 hang in there because you're going to see tremendous things. I think happen along the way here, and you, I think you're also going to see more people with more means and resources kind of waking up to these things and hopefully uh, starting to pulling those resources to helping out and achieving things. So anyway, that's that. We not that we need that. We don't need to. I'm not saying sit around and wait for that, but I'm just saying there's so many variables of so many things that could happen along the way that we don't even can we can't even conceptualize those right now uh, and so we shouldn't be bogged down thinking that oh, oh shit this is going to be this is what's going to be forever now <laughs> that's it you know kind of thing got to get another uh, get to get another puff uh, piece here he keeps hitting that all right chalky milk here says uh, i never liked and this actually speak to that point I've never liked the concept of the parallel economy. It implies that we are purposely headed in the same direction as the current system. I feel like a uh, perpendicular economy is more of the right uh, in the right spirit. I agree. Absolutely. I think it's just more making a point. Uh, words are important. So, yes, I agree. Terms should be uh, applied in the right way. Uh, but yes, basically, yeah, running in, you know, as you said, perpendicular to something else, but certainly Many of the issues that we face now is because of these systems that were kind of constructed for us that we kind of basically grew up in for sure. Thank you, Chalky Milk. Uh, Der Sherusker says, keep on fighting. Will do. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, all right. So, oh, we had this one too. This, we, this could take us into the next topic. Dog Whistler says, so did you see at the World Economic Forum conference that one of the professional moderator uh, who was the MC? Uh, who emceeing the event was the clown Brian Stettel. Yeah, that's right. I did see that. I don't think I played a single clip with him. Uh, thank you, Dog Whistler. But it does remind me, I guess, of where we're gonna go next. The balloon stuff here. Uh, it, all of a sudden, the UFO craze starts taking off in the wake of this. And uh, and look, maybe some of that is legitimate. I'm saying I'm not saying there's nothing out there, but. I mean, when the mainstream media start talking about this, you're like, okay, this is some kind of gay op here. You know, <laughs> this, this might be the ultimate. We talked about something, uh, a threat from the outside, whether that being in the environment or, or something they're faking in the future. This, many people have said, Dan, would be like the ultimate kind of gay op where basically like, oh, we have to unite. We have an alien threat. I, I even thought the, the in a different way. They might not even play the hostile card. They might say, no, they're friendly, they're here, but for us to take part of their cosmic knowledge, we have to uh, come together. They, they're demanding a world government from us, uh, Dan. It, it, anything could happen in the wake of something like this. But it is interesting that 
you know, you had the release of that uh, military footage, like what is that, a, a year, a couple of years ago now maybe, more and more admissions of this, and I can't help to feel that they're spinning this in some way. No, it's definitely very strange. And you know, it's funny, uh, CNN would be the one doing this because they were the same ones who said uh, flight MH370 or whatever went into a black hole. So, you know, <laughs> talk about conspiracy theories. They they don't shy away from them. But yeah, um, yeah you know, it's weird. It, it seems like they're they're priming the pump for something. Um, and I think, you you know, you could be right. You know, a lot of people are citing Project Bluebeam um, uh, as, you know, evidence that this could be, you know, what, what they could do to kind of unite under a one world government or a one world religion like Jordan Peterson apparently is promoting um, or all of the above. So, um, you know, I, I personally, I'm not a, you know, extra, extra terrestrials guy, but UFO could mean many things. I mean, it could exactly. Be, um, of course. Yeah. It's yeah. It just means yep, that's right. It could be anything. Let's just play this real clip and the uh, real quick. Uh, see what they said here on CNN. Interesting. This is kind of unusual that these pilots saw different things and that is sort of i guess adding to the mystery of all this yeah not even the pilots apparently were really able to identify what they saw and just to take you back for a sec on thursday the uh the u.s defense officials sent f-35 fighter jets up to try to figure out what this object was that was flying around near alaska those pilots we have learned have given very conflicting accounts of what they actually experienced with some pilots saying that the, the object interfered with the plane sensors other pilots saying that they didn't really experience that other pilots saying that when they looked at the object they could identify no identifiable uh, identifiable propulsion system and they did not know how it was actually staying in the air cruising at that altitude of about 40,000 feet so this is all added to the Pentagon well, the balloon doesn't need a propulsion system describing in more detail <laughs> what this object actually is until they can get more information uh, through the debris that they are recovering right now that's, a, interesting. that's an interesting spin there on this like oh the, no propulsion system well yeah but not if it was a balloon I, I just can't help to feel that it was like it was probably i mean again something is probably going on with this usually it comes in like what what do they say like what one time you know it's like it's it's a coincidence two time it's suspicious and, and a third time it's an act of war or what is to say you know what i mean and and it was like Kind of with the same with the disaster, uh, the train derailments and these kind of things. Like it was just boom, 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 four or five. I think I think you followed it. Uh, you covered it on Twitter as well. I think. Yeah, it was a weird series of events, and it was almost. I mean, the Chinese balloon thing, the first one. I just couldn't stand continuing continuing to hear about that. It just felt so fabricated the whole thing and is like giving you know sean hannity an excuse to fill an entire show about how incompetent the government is that it let this it's like dude the chinese have whatever information they wanted because people like the biden family sold it to them or gave it to them they have satellites yeah. they have people in this country spying on us this balloon is is a non-issue however you have to take it from the other side like we said there's there's so many different angles to all this stuff and you have to say okay well what is going on here what are they greasing the skids for what are they preparing us for and then it was like boom 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 all this stuff and the the funny thing about that i think one of them they said it's just a hobby balloon like a hobbyist group like had their balloon shot down over lake huron and the pilot actually apparently missed with the first missile it's like that's total clown world stuff too <laughs> um and where did that missile go? It yeah. sailed safely into the into the lake. Um, what if that had hit a small town on the? <laughs> I mean, it's just there's so many layers to yeah. the insanity here. But you feel like they're like getting everyone whipped in a frenzy for something. Maybe they were distracting from something. Um, 
I don't know. I, I'm sure this isn't the last that we're going to hear about these UFOs. Um, and it was funny to me, uh, John Kirby was taking questions uh, at the White House the other day, and he said uh, that they hadn't retrieved the the wreckage or whatever it is in the wilds of Alaska because they haven't been able to get to it yet. I'm thinking right. if there was like a, a Proud Boys meetup with like 12 Proud Boys in the wilds of Alaska, <laughs> yeah, the feds would have been there like before the first beer. So it, it's yeah. such a stupid, like these, these excuses they give, they really count on the media covering up for them and, and smoke screening. And then the stupidity of the American people they're, they're counting yeah. on yeah. to not ask any questions and say, what do you mean you can't go, you can't bring a plane over to to Alaska to drop someone down there and find out what's on the ground. What are you talking about? I guess not. Imp impossible. <laughs> the wilds of Alaska, an American state. We can't reach it. No. Nope. Um, and then you have the the you know Roswell. Oh, it's a weather balloon. Balloons. You have you know what I mean like the the, the the echoes of all of that is kind of whipping up again. But no, you're right. I mean, if this is the Chicoms sending balloons, like. They have, I mean, they're the drivers to Diane Feinstein. You know what I mean? They're not, you know, <laughs> they, they could be something to it, but like they, they're buying farmland in, uh, what, what was it again? I forget, like near a military base and stuff like that because of, you know, people are, are, are working with them. They're being, you know, sold out or blackmailed or both at the same time. So this seems a bit weird. So maybe it's just, um, as you said, it, it's to kind of whip up a frenzy artificially. Or even, as you say, maybe cover for something too. It's very, very possible. Also, yeah, this is one. It's one of the weirdest, definitely one of the weirdest stories in a while. And I, d I don't, didn't buy into the, the incompetence angle. It doesn't. That doesn't add up to me. There's something else going on. Yeah, uh, definitely. All right. So that's uh, that's fascinating. Some of that stuff. Now let me read. Let me see. Was it the financial? No, we we got that one. We covered that one. Uh, let me cover this here real quick. This is <clears throat> some interesting reporting here. Um, the Man Behind the Curtain, a new report exposes how George Soros' propaganda machine has corrupted the media. Yeah, you don't say. The Budapest-born billionaire has constructed an incredible global network of influence. I thought this wasn't uh, happening. A new report from the U.S.-based Newsbusters has exposed a vast web of media and activist organization funded with millions of dollars annually by the billionaire George Soros. The outlet bills itself as an all... Yeah, okay, we, we know what they are. The extensive global influence of the Hungarian tycoon is well known, and Soros himself has admitted it on countless occasions, including boasts about his efforts in Ukraine. Soros openly declared his role in the promoting of the uh, 2014 U.S. orchestrated Maidan coup in Kiev, Stating at the time, I set up a foundation in Ukraine before Ukraine became independent of Russia. The foundation has been functioning ever since, and it played an important part in events now. We've played that clip a couple of times, actually. In a late interview with the New York Times in October 2019, Soros explained the arc of history doesn't follow its own course and needs to be bent. And he has been, quote, engaged in trying to bend it in the right direction. Of course he has. The Newsbusters report identifies the hundreds of media organizations, humanitarian and social justice organizations that Soros funds annually and asserts that his donations allow him to, quote, wield massive power over information in international politics and mold public opinion on practically every continent and in many languages. Now, you could say something there kind of like, Soros is kind of a Klaus Schwab type figure. He's like, he's kind of what the conservatives are allowed to criticize. However, 
That doesn't mean that he doesn't hold sway, that he doesn't fund these groups, that it's not subversive. All of that is absolutely 100% true. Um, but I mean, is, I, I forget if he has, does he have a U.S. citizenship, this guy? Or is he, would he be considered a foreign agent? You know that if it was a kind of like a right wing version of this or something like that, uh, at least on par with what he's been able to pull off, you know that they'd be probably able to like shut down some of the, they would call it propaganda and said it's, it's a threat to national security and we have to block these groups or organizations, we have to make san sanctions against them and stuff like that. It feels like he's kind of a, obviously allowed to do this as well, George Soros. He's kind of an interesting guy that way. Uh, and again, if we know all of these people's names, uh, you, you can you can bet your Bet your money on the fact that there's definitely other forces behind the scenes that we don't even know the names of. They're actually pulling the strings here. But what, what do you make of uh, this, Dan? Well, you know, I would say, you know, to an extent, yeah, these days Soros has almost become a meme the way that Klaus Schwab has. But at the same time, uh, not too long ago, nobody was talking about George Soros. And it's it's outlets like Red Ice. It's outlets like Infowars that have dragged these guys out of the shadows into mainstream conversation. And so now they're they're a bit more well-known. I don't doubt Soros' sway at all. I don't doubt his ill intentions. Um, I don't think that he is like a, a straw man. I, I think he is an actual boogeyman. Um, but like you said, there are plenty of other people who we don't know their names and are more powerful than him and probably channeling their money through his organizations. But he happens to be someone who has set up these networks. We see how they work. We see the infiltration in the United States, the way that he's infiltrated the legal system and is basically sabotaging entire cities by installing, you know, essentially Soros backed people who who, uh, you know, run the, the legal systems there, the DAs and all that. And so uh, very detrimental to the United States. Uh, I, I do think that he has a U.S. citizenship. Yeah, I know he has he? residence. Right. In, in, in New York, I believe. Um, d you know, with someone like this, does it even matter if they have citizenship? No, or not? He, like, no. He, he probably doesn't. comes and goes as he pleases wherever he wants. He's, he's above uh, he's above that level of, <laughs> of restriction, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and also, like, people want to get rid of him or why hasn't he been arrested? Like, OK, great. But, you know, he has a son named Alex who's doing yeah. his, you know, taking on the reins after him. And he has deputies and entire organizations that are carrying on the work that he is funding. Um, so taking Soros out probably wouldn't do all that much because the machine is already in motion. Yeah, it says on Wikipedia, at least, that he has a uh, U.S. citizenship. So there you go. So they, he circumvented it that way, I guess. Now he can be subversive. It's totally fine. <laughs> all right, that's cool. Uh, I know you covered this one. It's kind of in the same, you know, similar, not exactly the same, but, you know, <clears throat> there's a lot of powerful forces and we've heard a lot about, you know, election meddling and it's Russia this and Russia that or whatever. Uh, but then, of course, as usual, they look kind of mostly the other way uh, when there's other players involved. Uh, in this case, it's Israel. Uh, investigators claim Israeli group meddling in elections worldwide. Team George, maybe, or George, uh, reportedly deployed thousands of bots to shift public opinion. A secretive Israeli group allegedly manipulated more than 30 elections worldwide using hacking and state-of-the-art disinformation techniques, according to an investigation conducted by, the, by an international consortium of journalists. Several media outlets, including The Guardian, Le Monde, CDF, Der Spiegel, and El País, looked into a team of contractors known as Team George, run by Tal Hanan, a 50-year-old former Israeli Secret Service operative. The latter has denied any wrongdoing. Well, of course, they're, this, they're, they're making the world a better place, folks. Uh, to expose the group's alleged uh, clandestine operations, the reports 
uh, reporters rather passed themselves as prospective clients while covertly recording several hours of footage inside the meetings with the unit's members. Hanan allegedly told reporters that his services could be used by both private companies and intelligence agencies, with operations taking place in Europe and Africa, as well in as well as in North, Central, and South America. And this is kind of fascinating. Is that you know when you put this in context? Because we've heard of election meddling from you know Russia. I remember there was what was it the. Was it the Austrian party, OVP or something, the Freedom Party in Austria, that was like essentially taken, taken, like decommissioned because they had some get together with what, what, what we were told with like Russian agents that were like in a hotel somewhere and talking about business or something like that. Here's like an organized thing where they're working in like 30 countries doing stuff like this. And you don't hear that much about this. This is like RT covering this. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I have to give so much credit to RT. They they really do pretty solid reporting as far as mainstream outlets go. They don't seem to shy away from too many topics the way that uh, American mainstream media does. And so, I, you know, I have to read RT every day. I, I think they do great stuff and talk about things that others aren't. One of the funny things about this article, I think it's in there, is that I think it was El Pais found out that somebody were, if I'm not mistaken, they found out that someone had taken, you know, had planted a story or something like that, um, and they were dismissed because they basically did the bidding of of uh, Team George. And it was my understanding that most of these mainstream outlets are either wholly or partially controlled by intelligence agencies, or that at least have like kind of final say as to you know, what goes out, what doesn't go out, or plants stories. We remember, I think it was a reporter at Der Spiegel or Deutsche Welle uh, years ago came out and said that, you know, the CIA was basically telling him, you have to print these stories and put your name on it, that kind of a thing. So I was surprised to see that this investigation, this consortium, supposedly comprised of members of, of mainstream media around the world. So you wonder, like, is there a push and pull inside of these organizations? Um, and then what does that do in terms of their coverage moving forward? Are they going to, is there going to be any sort of uh, internal accountability on, on reporting? Maybe they don't realize the, the amount of the intelligence agencies from different countries have infiltrated their, their outlets. So it, it was just interesting to see that this investigation was even carried out in the first place. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, we've seen some revelations about that in the last couple of years, and, and it's probably gone from like clandestine intelligence operations to just like, no, they're sitting on, you know, in the show now and talk, you know what I mean? Like the, the tons of like these ex-military people or even like current intelligence people that are brought in or CIA people, ex-CIA people and disseminating basically like their, you know, their propaganda pieces and stuff like that. And uh, even CNN, there was a piece a while ago, like showing how many agents that they had hired and stuff like that. Uh, you know, obviously Operation Mockingbird comes to mind, but there's many other such type of programs running since then. But it's it's basically become, no, here's the, uh, you know, here's, uh, what's his name, the ex-CIA guy who was in the Communist Party when I was young, John something, right? Um, Brennan. Bre- exactly, Brennan. John Brennan is brought on and, and it's like, oh, here's this expert now. And this would have been like kind of, 
as I mean, it was bad like 20, 30 years ago too, but it, it wasn't that blatant then. You know what I mean? It was like a, it had a little bit more tact about it then, but now it's just like the media is like openly an intelligence operation in and of itself now. You know what I mean? Or, or how many government officials leave the leave administrations and go directly into media? You know, both yeah. Fox News, CNN, you name it. Um, and I don't trust any of these people. How many elected officials go into work? Go on to work in the media? I think there should be some sort of firewall between you know this because a lot of people don't even know that like ignorant people are just going to see someone like uh you know was it james baker or whatever you know these guys that were you know in leading intelligence agencies then go to be a contributor at msnbc and that some of them don't even know that so it's like you know you're being fed propaganda right from you know the mouth of the <laughs> right right from the spigot you're taking it you know right into the mouth and and i think that's just so crazy that th that's the way that things work and i think there should be some separation between uh you know the media and the government and there doesn't seem to be anymore and like you said they're just brazenly open about it at this point it's crazy yeah, definitely. Uh, Dog Whistler, I think the a question for you here, Dan. Uh, has Infowars ever reported on some program I once heard about said that most Western countries have a rule if you own more than a certain amount of real estate or businesses in a country, you get automatic residency and visa slash passport. Uh, that means that guys like Soros can live or travel anywhere with no restrictions. Uh, do you know about that? He's asking. You, have you heard of that? Well, residency by by ownership of real estate is pretty common in in I would say right. most countries. Right. Yeah, that's 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 a standard thing. You invest enough money into a country, you can basically buy yourself a citizenship. Yeah. You can actually do that as a you know a, a semi common man. You can find certain um, certain jurisdictions that will allow you to just buy citizenship by investing a certain amount. I think in Spain right now it's mm -hmm. only like half a million bucks. Uh, you can do it in the Caribbean for maybe quarter million. So that's not strange at all. Um, that's standard policy. Yeah, it's, it, it, I think about that. Yeah, they're like passing out uh, citizenships like it's uh, candy now. You know what I mean? I, I don't even get me started on the refugee stuff like Sweden granting you know, like unconditional immediate um, uh, citizenship to all Syrians. You know what I mean? And then like a slew of people come in in the wake of that as well. Oh, yeah, sure. I'm Syrian, you know, fully African, obviously, or something like that. It's, it's crazy. No, for sure. And, and you know, we, we cover a lot of horrible crimes out of Sweden over at InfoWars Europe. And the thing that is just always so troubling, you always find out, is that no matter how heinous the crime um, and no matter the fact that maybe they just got their, you know, passport like three months ago, sometimes it's they celebrate getting their passport by committing heinous crimes. Um, and then there's no opportunity to revoke their citizenship. I think that's totally insane. Um, I think that even if you are granted citizenship, if you're born in another country and you do something really egregious in your new host country, there should be some recourse for kicking you right back out to where you came from. And uh, also, you probably are familiar with this. A lot of these countries like in Africa and the Middle East, they won't even take their citizens back who have committed horrible crimes in Europe and they are you know, ordered to be deported. Their, host, their home countries won't take them back. So they end up in limbo and they end up just illegally living in the countries that they entered. It's just total, I mean, just basket case stuff. You should be able to, to put those people on a, on a one-way ship or drop them out of a helicopter onto their home 
turf. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like, no, that's it. We get, you know, we're clean. We can't do anything now. It's it's crazy. You think there'd be, well, supposedly there are rules about this, but even like there's a rule that you must go to the nearest country that is not, you know, at war or conflict if you're seeking asylum. All those things have gone out the window. It's just like this, uh, I mean, there's flights now, right? They're bringing in like, they're just flying people in and stuff like that. It's, it's crazy what has happened. No, absolutely. And you, and you saw that actually in um, when pr previous to the, the conflict that's been going on in Russia and Ukraine, there was a huge migrant surge that came via Belarus. And so the Dublin agreements, I think they're called basically, well, as soon as you enter the first safe country, you have to apply for asylum there. You cannot go to a third country. You can't shop around for, for a better deal, so to speak. But nonetheless, um, thousands and thousands of migrants were flying in from all over the world. We're taking flights into Minsk. And then, of course, Belarus, uh, definitely at that time and probably still now, would be considered a safe country and you would be obligated to claim asylum there. Uh, you can't just go in from there into, into Poland and the neighboring countries, but that's exactly what they were doing. And, of course, pressure was on those neighboring countries from the EU and from the UN and all these, you know, uh, super bodies uh, basically telling them, you know, once these migrants come in, you got to let them come in, even though they've come in from a safe country. So, yeah, yeah exactly. The, the third country thing is just out the window and it's just a, a free for all. It, that's even happening now in the United States. Exactly. People yeah. are yeah. people are at, that have been brought uh, illegal aliens that got into Texas. Texas bust them to New York City. They didn't like their conditions in New York City, and so New York City and NGOs were busting them up to Canada. I have that they were clip. Then going up there to claim asylum. Yep. You're not allowed to do that. That just violates no. all sorts of international laws. But apparently, everything is clown world now, and there are no rules for nope. the lawless. Exactly. But. If you have the wrong people showing up at the wrong group or organization or political affiliation, holy smokes, you have, you know, all of a sudden the the monopoly, violence monopoly of the state works impeccably. <laughs> In other cases, just all hands off. No, we can't stop this. I have that clip you mentioned. This is actually a good time playing that. Uh, check this out, folks. News that more and more underage children are crossing Roxham Road alone caused collective dismay at the National Assembly. The situation is very worrying. I'm very preoccupied. It's heartbreaking, he said. To make matters more complicated, migrants are arriving at the border by bus with tickets paid by the government of New York. New York Mayor <laughs> Eric Adams admitting on an American news network. What? Diversity is not our strength? Fascinating. Work to quote, helping in the reticketing process. It's unbelievable. Um, it is not safe for people to cross the border in those conditions. Nadeau Dubois believes the state... He could definitely say some other things there, but all right, <laughs> we'll take it. third country agreement between Canada and the United States needs to be renegotiated. Under the agreement, refugee claimants are required to request refugee protection in the first safe country they arrive in. If they don't, they can be refused. Unaccompanied minors are one exception. It is a federal jurisdiction. They have to assume their responsibility. The Parti Québécois wants to go further. Its leader believes Roxham Road should simply be closed. It's not by building a wall. That's my, uh, my take on this position that you will solve the problem. Tongue says the United States also needs to assume its own responsibility in the matter and stop bussing people to Quebec. They are not merchandise, they are humans. 
Meanwhile, the province announced $3.5 million in emergency funding on Monday to help community organizations deal with the influx of migrants oh, yeah, entering yeah. through the U.S.-Quebec border. Quebec's immigration minister says 60,000 people came to Quebec seeking asylum through the unofficial crossing last year. Fréchette agrees the federal government needs to renegotiate the Safe Third Country Agreement. Just so I'm waiting for the federal government to take action very quickly in the coming weeks. Frechat says that day after day, she will hound the federal government for a resolution. Gloria Enriquez, Global... All right. Fascinating, though, huh? Because wasn't this the huge problem when DeSantis was doing this? Or, uh, you know, um, uh, what's the Texas governor's name? He, is? he was doing that, right? They're shipping them up to... Uh, we saw the big story up to uh, Martha's Vineyard. I mean, that was, a great, that was a great PR thing. But again, going back to the Ohio story before, right? As soon as there was like a little crisis for them, the whole the massive organizational skills to take these migrants out of their community within like 24 hours. It was just like they could solve it like that. But no, now Adams of New York is like, no, that's totally he can he can totally do this. And it's not a big problem. It, it's it's incredible. The hypocrisy. Right. And we see that they the politicians, they do the same exact thing. They blame the previous jurisdiction for causing it and then they call for more money and that's yeah. what always happens it what it really comes down to is they have to make a show of saying that they oppose this and uh it's dangerous for the people involved and we can't be doing this they're humans not merchandise but uh but we're gonna need more money yeah. uh definitely gonna need more money from so we the can let them all in power above them Right, so we can uh, deal with them. Yeah, that, when they say we want to fix the border crisis, they mean, and Biden said this when he was down in Mexico recently, we just want to ensure that like they can have, it, they would just want a golden conveyor belt going straight, <laughs> straight into the, like just opening the borders and giving everyone citizenship. That is dealing with the migration problem, you know? Yes, indeed. I, I actually like that report because of the footage that's in it, because I don't think a lot of people realize how this works. And this has been happening in that particular area of New York, northern New York, for quite some time. It happens in ebbs and flows. It was happening pretty aggressively a couple of years ago, and then it must have died down a little bit, but it's happening again. So basically what happens is the, the migrants, they get taken to the nearest bus station, which in this case, I believe is Plattsburgh, and that's in the north of New York. And then from there, they have to get to the border. And what they do is they hop these shuttles, taxis, uh, probably Ubers, things like that. And those vehicles take them essentially from the bus station to basically rural residential neighborhood, like a street, just like a little, uh, you know, a rural road. They get out there right at the border, often with piles of luggage, sometimes with pets, with children, and then they make God. their way the last, you know, couple hundred feet, and then they go uh, surrender themselves to the the mounted police there. And they keep in mind they just did this with border patrol. Some of them within weeks of getting to the Canadian border, they just did that at the U.S. southern border. And who knows how many times before that? Maybe in Mexico, maybe in Panama before that. So it's like they're just asylum shopping. <laughs> and what's funny about this story is a lot of them. Uh, that have gone to Canada have now turned around and come back to New York complaining that there was too much snow and that it was too cold in Canada, <laughs> that they would like to be sent to a warmer state with yeah. more job opportunities. There you go. Yep, exactly. No, again, it, this is shop. This is a tourist trip, essentially, for them, as far as they're concerned. Like, our countries are irreparable damaged, uh, you know, because of these policies and stuff like that. It, it, but it's also remarkable that there's no one floating this idea in the higher-up halls of power that, like, Maybe these asylum laws that exist is not good and they should be revoked. <laughs> Why not just do away with the law that says that, well, you have to grant asylum to anybody or or process them, I guess, technically is the term, right? You have to 
process them if they show up at the border and ask for asylum. It's like, no, we could just say, uh, we're not doing that anymore. Sorry, we're full. Like, But that you never hear those discussions. It's always seen as like, well, our hands are tied. We can't do anything about this. And we know why that is, because, you know, replacement is the, is the main objective at the end of the day here. No, certainly. And you might have actually covered this a few weeks ago. This was just an interesting development out of, out of Switzerland because it was the first place that I saw even a whiff of a discussion about we're full. Uh, basically, the, the, the most popular party there is kind of like a populist, you know, vaguely right wing party, the SVP. And they're, they're working on putting forth a referendum. And when, when referendums end up on the ballot in Switzerland, they have to be voted on. So if they get 50,000 or 100,000 signatures, they're obligated to put that up for a vote at the national level. And if if it passes, then they're obligated by Swiss law, at least, to implement that. And so the SVP wants to put forth a referendum, basically capping the population of the country. And if I'm not mistaken, they're approaching 9 million people uh, pretty rapidly now at this point, because, of course, there's Ukrainians pouring in and, and asylum seekers, and then they have tons of foreign labor that comes in. But they're approaching 9 million and I believe the ref referendums uh, uh, specifies that if the population comes close to 10 million before 2050 or 2040, then um, basically emergency measures would be put into place and they would suspend international agreements that obligate them to take more people. Mm. That's the first time I've seen anything like that uh, at the national level. Uh, probably even at the local level. And so um, we need more of that. And, and you know, even that sounds a little too lax for me. They need to shut yeah, the doors now. And I, get I agree. Out yeah, definitely. A million people probably, but it's a start. It is a start. It's something at least. Well, I mean, Mexico has laws on the books that says that they, if they're demographically uh, upset by any kind of refugee and migration, that they they can suspend uh, that at any moment. <laughs> you know, it's like we don't. Western countries don't have rules like that or laws like that. And my point is, we should or we should do away with retarded rules that's making sure that we're becoming minorities in our own countries uh but again this is like a learned help helpless helplessness right you, you're just like oh well there's we have to do this you know and it's like no we don't all we need is the willpower and people that can raise these ideas politically and then have a vote on the issue let's actually just people vote on the issue we know what would happen you know what i mean it would be a resounding like no we don't want more it's full and they don't want that as like, because it would be such bad PR, essentially, for those that have been doing this to us for decades now. No, no question at all. And, you know, um, there's an institute in in, um, in Hungary. It's one of those crazy Hungarian words that I can't pronounce, Sadzeveg or something like that. But every year they do a, a huge poll with a massive sample size of the European population. And it's something like 30,000 people living in 25 to 30 different countries around Europe. And they, you know, that's that's a massive sample size. I don't think a lot of people don't realize that when you see polling uh, cited in in the media, a you know, the sample few. size yeah, it can tiny. be less than a thousand people, Absolutely. and it could be. Yep. How are we going to decide the presidential election? <laughs> and oh, well. um, so thirty thousand is a huge sample size, and every year, ever definitely since the the twenty fifteen crisis, but probably even prior to that, the number one or the number two issue in every single country, a thousand people from every country. 25 to 30 countries, the number one or number two issue is always immigration. Absolutely. And that yeah. that pl that speaks the same in the, in the United States, of course, and definitely in Canada at this point. But, of course, the, the people are never listened to, so that doesn't really matter. No, no, definitely not. And it reminds me of this, too. Like, you know, tw 20, as you said, there, 20, what, 14, 15, really, the migrant crisis was, was picking up. But in many years, especially, of course, the, the spring and summer season, it's, it's more... And it's continuing. And I remember seeing scenes from this from many capitals uh, in Europe of like 
tent cities. It's popping up and stuff. But this is like, it doesn't stop. It's just continuing like this. Here's another one. Belgium's migrant system uh, creaks, I guess maybe cracks, uh, at the seams. Oh, yeah, creaks at the seams. As migrants set up tents on city streets. So this is just from, from this year. Check this out. And this is how it is now. And presumably then, does that mean, do you think that means this, Dan, that like, the, those that we saw, you know, like this a couple of years ago, those are now actually like housed and in the system somehow. And now it's just a new wave and there's a new, I mean, this is why we're rapidly becoming com uh, minorities in many of our European cities, not right now, Dan. No, for sure. And I just sent you a video. It's from Brussels as well. And I think it's either what came right before the video that you're going to roll or it came right after one or the other but there was a mass eviction of migrants because what they do as as you know like in some of these countries like in france and belgium they can just like take over a building and then the law protects them from being kicked out as squatters as very you know strong squatters protection rights in in some of these countries so these migrants had been squatting in you know some abandoned building maybe not even abandoned who knows um uh, hundreds of them. And eventually, you know, there's enough public outcry that the police came and kicked them out. And I just sent you a video of what the street looked like after all these male fighting age uh, migrants were kicked out into the street and they have nowhere to oh, go shit. at this point. And, um, you know, the, the city of Brussels is, you know, bringing buses in to bring them somewhere else. And it looks like a scene out of, you know, Children of Men or something. Remember that? And the, poli the police don't stand a chance if those guys really want to go off. At least those officers don't. Jeez, my God. It's just, it, and it's, that's the pivot here over the last like couple of years has been, as you said before, no, let's bring them out to the countryside. We're going to house them now next to like a, a, you know, a kindergarten in some small uh, town out on the countryside. That That's how sick it is now. Yes. Oh, and a lot of times it's a it's a, such an overwhelmingly disproportionate number of the ratio of migrants that they'll bring into certain towns. Yeah. Sometimes it's more than the population of the town yep. itself, but very That's often right. it's 10, 20 percent. And the problem is they just go explosive from there. Uh, I am encouraged to see that there's starting to be some pushback, for instance, in Ireland. Um, the people are actually getting out in the streets and, and <laughs> setting fires and, and yep. doing the things that needed to be done a long time ago to push back against this stuff. Um, but, you know, that that scene right there is is so common in Belgium, in the Netherlands, in France. Um, they're allowed in some places to get gather in the thousands in these tent cities, for instance, in Paris and in uh, Saint-Denis. Um, and then eventually the police will come in and say, all right, you got to move. We're going to move you somewhere else. And it looks it's total chaos. And like you said, sometimes they'll disperse them out to the countryside and say, oh, well, we didn't have anywhere to put to put them in Paris. So we put them out in the French countryside. And, you know, all of a sudden you have 100 Afghans in your little tiny French village. It's absolutely criminal what they're doing to Europe and, of course, what they're doing to North America, too. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm I'm not going to say, you know, the worse it gets, the better it is, but in a weird way. At this point, it's kind of so late in the game that I'm kind of glad that they're just like opening the tab because it's such a visual, you know, what I mean, we, it's almost like we need the majority of people are not woken up to this need to see some of this stuff to see how absurd it is. If they would like kind of to, uh, turn down the dial, if you will, on some of this and started like cover, you know, cover, not cover it up, but like do a trickle, I suppose it like they would probably had this in the bag. But because of the fact that they can't help themselves, they're so eager to replace us uh, and, and they're working on a time scale, it seems like they should maximize as fast as possible. 
I think, luckily, in a weird way, we're seeing the resistance also building faster than ever. And as you said, Ireland has really, you know, popped off, to use that term lately, of people being out in the streets. There were a couple of cases where some younger Irish uh, girls were raped. In some cases, they were sexually molested. They were uh, just targeted by, like, packs of migrants and stuff like that. And you saw entire communities just come out and, like, we've had enough. You know what I mean? And that's, that's encouraging. Yeah, it needed to happen a long time ago, but I'm glad that it's happening at all. I think at this point, and it really started feeling this way, like in 2015 ish, when you know that whole disaster played out. It feels like a race to the finish line at this point, and yeah. and in some ways, the globalists, you know, they do control a lot of this, but in some ways, they don't. And so, as things get more complex, they can't contain the fire that is building right now uh, in the streets of our cities and, and, you know, even in the countryside now, it's, it's a raging inferno that is, uh, that is building up right now. And, and they're losing control of that to a degree. So at this point, it's a race to the finish line, like who's going to ultimately win out. Unfortunately, people ask me this all the time. What's because they, they look at Europe as kind of a harbinger for what's going to happen in the U S but they say, is there, you know, any hope, um, or can the can the tide be turned? And I tell them now, there is no hope, at least in Western Europe, of turning the tide without extreme violence. And I'm not calling for that. I'm saying in order for any problems to be solved, it's going to take like a deployment of the military in a lot of these places, and it's going to get ugly. Or the people that have come in are going to continue to use violence as we see them do so often now in places like Stockholm and in, in Paris uh, where they're, you know, rioting in the streets after World Cup games, that kind of violence. Either way, there's going to be a lot of violence. I don't know who's going to win, uh, who's going to take back civilization or overtake it. But uh, that's the only path forward in my mind. Like, that's how it's going to play out. Yeah, I, I uh, unfortunately I think you're right. Uh, to be honest, and uh, yeah, there's barring as you said there, like some massive organized pushback. But then again, you do have the problem um, of the state uh, basically uh, seeking the military on its own population, not the not the aggressing invading population, right? Um, but it's uh, but in a way, I'm like, well, if that's what it takes, that that's what I mean. I, that's just what it is. I mean, we've look, we've been. And generations before us have been docile on this issue. Yes, we were hoodwinked. Many were propagandized. We, you know, they were told this wouldn't happen and stuff like that. But man, come on! Like writing has been on the wall for some time now, and it's because of our complacency and our and, and our inability to organize. And in a way, I'm seeing it though as like this is poking. It's like they want us to like <laughs> just lash back. You know what I mean? To do something. You know what I mean? Um, but I think that that's coming sooner or later. And even if that means that our governments go to war with us over the fact that we put our foot down and says, no, the people uh, put their foot down. Well, so so be it then. You know what I mean? Uh, this is just how it goes. Uh, you can't uh, make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. Sometimes you do have to have people that are, you know, they, they, they line. I hate to say it, but they line up and they basically become the, they're, they're martyrs, I guess, in a way. Right. They become martyrs for, for what the state is trying to do against us. And if that's what it takes for people to wake up and, and some people being sacrificed again, I'm not saying I want this. I'm just saying that's what it takes. That's what it's going to take. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think I think a lot of people needed to they need to, like, think about what happened in 2021, 2022, 2020, when the state wants to restrict the movement of people they find a way and they do yes. it very, very efficiently. 
And when they don't care or when they want the movement of people, they allow it to happen. If they really wanted these people not to come into our countries, they would just stop it tomorrow. And they clearly don't want to do that. No, no, absolutely. That's true. Uh, Glenn the Chinaman, good to see you, says, considering how much money and time they poured into the anti-white narratives over the years, they won't keep all of this contained. No, they, I, they, they won't. They definitely won't. Uh, I think we're we're begin we're finally beginning to see the the beginning little inclinations of 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 pushback and oh boy is it late in the game you know but but again it it is what it is and this is not over until it's over you know what I mean like there's it, there's so many things that can and probably will happen along the way and I'd also love to and and again I don't I'm not saying oh violence but I'm just saying. Once you begin to see maybe a majority of our people and many who are, who are smart, resourceful people putting time and, and effort and resources into solving this problem, um, you're going to see some remarkable things. Even if that even if that means like political propositions or something that actually, you know, can actually take root uh, within the population and creating pressure on governments to do something like that, you know, what I mean. I think you'll be able to see that, and and, and they're because we're being told, or we're kind of they're acting like, oh, we again throwing up their hands, like, oh, we can't, do, we can't do anything against this, and it's like, are you telling me that the the after doing this to us over the course of decades, we are all of a sudden are unable to solve this issue of again peacefully beginning to remigrate, remigrate people, repatriate people to their countries? You know what I mean? Uh, uh, sure, they might not go voluntarily, but but again, there's other people that are proposed uh, essentially buy them out, give them give them money. We shouldn't look. We shouldn't have to. I'm not saying that, but but I'm saying just thinking about different options that potentially could be possible in the future as 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 things worsen in our countries, conditions uh, conditions in our countries economically worsen. Uh, there's a lot of problems now. There's energy issues and all that kind of stuff. If you simply just cut off the welfare to a lot of these people and all of a sudden create a, a, an environment that's not so friendly anymore in terms of our policy towards like open borders and migration, yeah, it's possible you could see people that are you know would want to go and they want to try their luck elsewhere or, or go back home. I don't know. I mean, it's still a possibility. Uh, to be honest, but it, it could be true that that you know they might basically go to war with us first, <laughs> and then eventually, because of our pushback, they realize, oh, this is just not uh, worth it, kind of same thing. But I don't want people to be you know black pill about this and think, oh, there's, that's it, you throw up their hands. There's nothing we can do about this. If it was done to us, we can undo it. We have a lot of smart people out there, a lot of people that when when they sit down and start you know putting their minds to solving this issue, uh, we can do it. You know what I mean? There's there's this there's been Obviously, challenges in our history, and maybe this doesn't have a you know hundred percent comparable issue. Uh, but man, we have done far more with far less historically speaking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, maybe when uh, these you know California lives with their Teslas can't charge their cars because the, uh, the grid's <laughs> down because too many people are from other countries are living in California, then uh, <laughs> they might start thinking twice about uh, this mass migration thing. But some days I feel really black pilled, but I just try to take a few honk pills and swallow it down and just keep pushing forward. <laughs> That's right. All right, a couple here. Uh, I'm going to wrap up shortly here. Uh, J Dog Pitler says uh, George Soros' son Alex, you know, as he, as he said, down uh, is on record saying that everything his father does uh, and all is act all, all his, I think it is activities are due to his Jewish identity. There you go. Gab uh, post. Uh, check out that thread there. Let me. I'll, I'll add that link. Uh, actually, on the other computers, I can show it. Thank you. 
uh, Dog Pitler. That was nice of you. Let me see the other post here real quick. Uh, let me see. Where are we? Yeah, I'll pull that up in a second there. Ziofree says uh, Europe needs a to break free from U.S. control. Uh, call out U.S. slash U.K. French foreign policy that destabilizes nations, creates wars, refugees. This is all done for profit. Elites, Zionist agenda, destruction of the West. A rabbi's dream, Ziofree says. Yeah, I mean, even then, to be honest, to, to kind of pick up on that thought a little bit, I, I, Seymour Hirsch, that article he did on the Nord Stream 2, I mean, even if it, every detail of that is not exactly correct or whatever, that that's it's that's basically true. I mean, it, I mean, you can argue, oh, was it Norway as the acting NATO country that worked with the U.S. to to bomb the Nord Stream, whatever? But the fact that 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 as an issue needs to be widely known in Europe in order for them to understand that like NATO countries and, and the U.S. at the head of that went to war with Europe, like an act of terrorism to shut down its energy supply, potentially causing people to to freeze to death, not only during this winter, but the coming two, three. Actually, this winter, Dan, we've had fairly decent uh, buildup of the natural gas stock, you know, stuff like that. But the infrastructure doesn't exist to, to rely on that going into winter later, 2023 and 2024. So this is yet to be known how bad the Nord Stream 2 kind of situation actually is. But my point is, that's an act of war. And Europeans need to know that to, to basically, you know, say we need to we want nothing to do with these alliances. We're on our own. We need to set up our own uh, uh, you know, institutions, and we stop. We, we need to stop being the bitch of the U.S. essentially. And again, to add a caveat, and to those controlling the U.S. because that's the one. Those are the ones doing this to us, of course. What, what do you think of that situation, Doc? No, for sure. I mean, I think Europe has has um, relied on these agreements so much, and it's part of you know, it's all part of the lo- the long plan, the great the great reset, and all that. So it works in their favor if the energy crisis gets worse, of course. So it's like we were saying earlier, there's so many onions, layers to the onion to peel because, you know, on the surface, they're concerned about the energy crisis when in reality, they're probably pretty happy about the energy crisis because they want to force us to live with less. You'll own nothing. You'll be happy. You'll live with less. You'll be happy. You won't be able to drive because you won't be able to afford gas. Um, Remember all the propaganda we've seen out of European countries in the last year, you know, take a shower with a friend to save money, don't eat breakfast. (laughs) Um, You know, it's just they, in a way, they thrive on it. Anybody who's been in contact with Antifa uh, in the flesh knows that these are filthy, disgusting people who live in squalor. And I think um, they would like for the rest of us to live in squalor. And the reason I say that is because the people running our governments are just Antifa in suits, Antifa with hairdressers. Um, they're the same ideology, essentially. Um, they just look a little better, and they worship at the altar of ugliness and decay, and um, they're perfectly happy with their countries you know, going to hell, essentially. Um, so in a way, it works in their favor that there's an energy crisis and all the, you know, the, the fallout from that. Um, but, uh, but if good, serious people take charge in Europe, you know, there's a few kicking around there, um, then certainly they will disconnect themselves from the international agreements and the bodies that have um, put them in this position and start looking out for themselves and maybe make more localized, you know, agreements and, and relationships in order to rebuild Europe and, and thrive. Yep. Yeah, good point. Hey, let's uh, end, with, end with this. 
might well it is positive but it might mean something even worse of course but uh Finally, uh, Susan over at uh, uh, YouTube is actually uh, stepping down. Did you see this yet? Uh, okay, who is this here? Neil Mohan, chief exec uh, chief product officer, will take the lead as a senior vice president and new head of YouTube. Not sure about any of that, but man, has this woman made a lot of damage? And again, it's not only her. We cannot mention that before, right? But the 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 way that these tech people have managed to control. The narratives and 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 basically put a not put a foot in through a door, but like a stick in the spokes of the machinery that was the alternative media, and help to shut you know that down by these decisions that that have been making. So I I celebrate a little bit at least knowing that Wojcicki is is out of there. <laughs> what do you think? Tess? Yeah, uh, well she'll she'll have like some position at the UN or the, the West Ex next year. Of course, exactly. We'll see. Yep. So this, oh, Neil Mo, oh, okay. Oh, another Indian, look at that. <laughs> Fascinating, okay, yeah. Hmm. I wouldn't have wouldn't have predicted that, but no. we do know they love to in install uh, people from a certain part of the world uh, to lead our tech uh, companies, and we know that none, none of them respect um, free speech. No, no, exactly. And and yeah, and second to that, uh, many of them being Jewish, I think Indian is like the next level. Uh, it, it's just, uh, there was an article recently, I think it was Vida had it or something like that, and it was just like, like all these major like Indian, 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 especially in America, but you know, all over the place. It's like there's billions of them, and and they still operate within this like the minority privilege uh, bullshit that we've got going in the West. And it's like, how is this even a thing? It shouldn't even happen. But here we are, right? Fascinating. Yeah. Well, we love our African Americans. Elon Musk actually that's, taking back a that's uh, right. <laughs> a, you got uh, it. A big tech platform for us. <laughs> that's, that's right. I, I almost wish I'll find that clip now when she's stepping down, but it was some great one. She was being interviewed. I think it was maybe it was 60 minutes or something. And she talked about how was it 1418 was a hate number or something. It was some hilarious things. She couldn't even get some the stuff right. It was hilarious. But all right. Anyway, good stuff. We're going to start wrapping up right there. I want to thank you for joining us today, Dan. It was great having you here. Why don't you uh, plug some of your uh, stuff here at the end? Tell us about what you're doing over at Info InfoWars, also, of course, at uh, Borderhawk News. Anything you have maybe upcoming or something you'd like to plug, please uh, go ahead. Yeah, sure. You can always find my work for InfoWars at InfoWars.com and InfoWarsEurope.com. I'm the Bureau Chief of InfoWars Europe and uh, also run an immigration-specific news outlet called Borderhawk. That's borderhawk.news, borderhawk.blog, where all of our original content is hosted. You can find that on Twitter, Borderhawk News, and you can find me on Twitter, Real Dan Lyman, where I bring the heat every day. Fantastic. Thank you uh, so much for joining us today. I appreciate your time. Uh, always a pleasure. Uh, let's have you back soon. I, I like having you on the show. So uh, good stuff. Let us know if there's something uh, you know big and important happening. Uh, we can always uh, get you back on the show and, and talk about it, even if it's a shorter segment and just uh, specific stories or something like that. Will do, Henrik. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Fantastic. Have a great, uh, have a great weekend, actually. That's what we should say. And we'll see you, you later. You too. You too. <laughs> great weekend. All right. Thank you. Take care. All right. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Dan Lyman joining us there. We're going to wrap up... Uh, in a minute here. We have, uh, of course, Western Warrior coming up next, folks. So join us for that, redassmembers.com. We're also going to uh, have that up on Odyssey. I got to look into that issue that uh, uh, Night Nation Review mentioned about the Odyssey membership. I've, 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 I've liked that in the past, to be honest. So hopefully it's not a, a pervasive kind of issue from it. But anyway, check out redassmembers.com. Ladies and gentlemen, there we got the website right there. Also want to say thank you to our 
um, supporters at the end here as well. Uh, if you do want to sign up for a membership, redicemembers.com. You can do it at subscribestar.com slash redice. Uh, you can also do it at odyssey.com slash at redice TV. I think it should be working still, but we'll uh, we'll try to look into that a little bit, see what's going on. Uh, also, as I say, thank you uh, so much again uh, to our executive producers here today. We have T. Lothrop Stoddard, V. Miller, Resin Revolt, Good Luck Lap, Jake, Red Pill Rundown, Chalky Milk, shout out to you in the chat, French 47, Mark Smith, No One Jeebs, President Obunga, fetch me if you can, Mongos, William Fox, Angry White Soccer Mom, The Second Wanderer, I saw you in chat as well, shout out to you, thank you for being here, Operation Werewolf, The Ride Never Ends, Francis Parker Yaki, Dillbob, Level 104 Light, also Last Place Simp and Joseph heart thank you guys thank you so much for being executive producers we got a few producers as well mr walker 696 you want on leroy dumont snark pup eyes open mr lemry and yuri new if you want to check that out if you want to uh, help support us you can uh, get a producer or executive producer tier over at odyssey or subscribe star uh, we're actually getting aboard a uh, editor here soon to so uh, see some more clips and things like this we'll be able to produce more thanks to your help but of course we're not uh, we're not settling for that we want to continue to expand like we did before we were uh, financially sabotaged and banned and blocked from a bunch of stuff so help us get back on our feet if you have some resources you want to pass our way definitely check out those two tiers uh, at odyssey and subscribe star all right i think that's it ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for uh, joining us here today have a great rest of your friday thank you to so much to everyone in uh, in the chat uh, or if you're tuning in later in the archives we'll be back with more soon take care everybody have a great one Thank you for watching. Go to RedIceMembers.com and sign up for our exclusive members content. Don't miss our latest shows, interviews, and other videos only for subscribers. You can also become a member by signing up at SubscribeStar.com forward slash RedIce. Get full access and help support our work. See you on the other side.